Talk Brunch. Served hot. Talk Brunch Live. Rick Dyer here, a.k.a. Captain Brunch, October 26, 2020, episode 417. Here with my co-host as always, Mr. Destin Soglo Frazier. Yo, it was weird having no G1. Having no what? Oh, G1. Oh, having no G1 to watch. Yeah. yeah. Okay, what the fuck? This is odd. Speak for yourself. I had, I had enough G1. I didn't finish it yet. <laughs> yeah, like, I had things to do this weekend, so. I don't know. We have we have definitely had covered it like three or four shows of it, but I I don't know. It's it's crazy. You know, I'm not gonna act like it isn't challenging. This is hard. This is really really hard. This tournament uh, is grueling for the wrestlers and the fans. But I mean that and keeping up with other things happening. You know, when we started this show now almost six years ago, there wasn't as much wrestling in the world. As much as people go, wrestling has declined. Then. It's less popular. Like wow, if you're looking at it from a production and programming perspective, like I am. It, it tells a completely different story As I sit here with this gigantic program In front of us and this screen full of Different <laughs> audio and video and shoots And things that are happening ah, I don't know I'm just not seeing it that way Anyway thank you guys for joining us Here live as always All of you listening of course iTunes, Stitcher TuneIn, uh, SoundCloud iHeartRadio, Podcast Addict Google, Google What's it called now? Google Podcast It's no longer Google Play Music as well as over on twitch.tv slash talkbrunch with the live video feed, as well as facebook.com slash talkbrunch with the live video feed, talkbrunch.com, blah, 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 blah. <sighs> so how you doing? Eh, pretty good. Pretty good. It's uh, been an interesting week. So Yeah. So... When we spoke last night, and I normally don't go back into things in regarding uh, the pay-per-views, but I felt this was really important because for podcasts, at least, our pay-per-view traffic is higher for just a new show than it is for that. On That being said, on Facebook, there's nothing higher. People love the freaking poll shows. But we talked about Jeff Jarrett and uh, what happened in regards with him during that. Uh, they did like a little kickoff thing. And apparently on the day that this happened on this pay-per-view, Jeff Jarrett had tweeted out 1025-2017-1025-2020, along with a bunch of praying emojis that said hashtag sober life, hashtag one day at a time, hashtag MMMI, hashtag God's will. And what apparently he was celebrating during this paper was his third year anniversary of being sober. Like this, this is this company. You couldn't make this up. This is the same company that sent CM Punk his, his, uh, pink slip. On his uh, wedding day, right? Same place. It's just, and this is another case where people are going to say the same things that they said back then. Did, did they time it that way on purpose? Like, how would they have known that the pay-per-view and him being part of that panel was going to be the third year anniversary of this happening? I don't know how. I don't know how they knew that CM Punk's wedding was going to coincide when they'd have the mail delivered of him being uh, released. I'm just saying that it seems like we're always talking about things like that happening. You know, I can't explain to you the science of that. And I know that there's always going to be the argument of it being impossible for them to have preemptively known to do that. But somehow it happens and they seem to be experts at preemptively doing it. This thing just seems to keep lining up for them. 
And for those of you that didn't listen to the post show, what basically happened was they had Elias come out uh, during the kickoff yesterday and he sang uh, about, you know, he's in a feud with Jeff Hardy. And in all of the Jeff Hardy feuds, they make the focal point, the fact that Jeff has issues, drinking issues. So Elias comes out with his guitar to sing a song and he's parodying Jeff, but he's looking directly at Jeff Jarrett, who's on the interview panel, who we know has issues with alcoholism and now you guys know it was his third anniversary sober. And uh, it sounded like the words he was singing were directed at uh, Jeff Jarrett as opposed to Jeff Hardy. They had It was so conveniently orchestrated, you know? I think that's part of the things that made it uh, difficult to watch. Not that much of a coincidence, though. But for anyone who didn't catch it, I'm running it again. <sighs> yep. We got to do it, right? For the sake of the story, we got to do it. For the sake of the plot, we got to do it. There have been a lot of people in wrestling who've tried to be musicians before, wow. and they were frauds. Speaking of which. the real, oh, uh, I wasn't even, which. no, no, I wasn't even. P- I mean, I, I inspired this guy. You know, my you, whole career you, has been an inspiration deal. to him. Do you, he, I was everything wait, that Jeff Jarrett wanted to be. I was an inspiration do you, do you, do you. Is there a song maybe you could play? I mean, <laughs> Look, I, I've oh, always got something. You're trying to give him some personality as well. Everybody's tried. Chip, you know what? You just made the list. Oh, no. Here we go. This is for Jeff. Yeah, Jerry, I need you to shut your mouth for a minute, okay? <laughs> See that? Jeff, I seen your mug up on the Thunderdome screen. I'm sitting here knowing you're going to dress like Elias for Halloween. <laughs> What's with guys named Jeff? Jeff Jarrett and Jeff Hardy. If I didn't know any better, I think Jeff was Spanish for junkies. <laughs> junkies. That's oh my goodness. That's it. That's it. You think that's that's the best? Yeah, that's fine. Look at how uncomfortable I, I liked it. You like that? Oh, I This has been. This is using people's alcoholism against them, you know? Like in a storyline. It's too much. It would be one thing. It'd be one thing if it was like an even scale of stuff. And I don't really even know how you would evenly distribute shittiness. But like it'd be one thing if alcoholism was something that came up sometimes amongst other storylines. But it's like they're like a dog with a bone with this one. You know what I mean? Where it's like the first time it was like, all right, they decided to do an alcohol angle. I don't really like it, but whatever. Now it's like, holy shit, guys. Like, did you get your fill yet? So... To put into perspective exactly how unprofessional this shit is, I mentioned uh, on the post show last night, they did this angle once in Impact. The reason they did it is because it was the first time we'd seen Jeff since the Victory Road incident. Everybody remembers that one where he was so fucked up, Sting just called the match around the fly and it was literally Scorpion Death Drop goodbye. Yeah. That's when it works because, okay, he just came back from this. The whole thing was, okay, we can't have you as world champion after that fiasco. This man is nowhere near the world championship, and they're throwing this out every chance they get. If the Lucha House Party feuds with Jeff Hardy tomorrow, that's going to be the reason. Yeah. And let's be real. These fuckers knew what they were doing. They knew it was an anniversary, so they were like, hey, let's fuck with them because we're WWE. And that's what kind of blows my mind about this company, that strategically when they want to be malicious, it's almost at a level of black magic. You know what I mean? Like how the timing of when they want to really mess with someone and the way that they can put things together it's hard to believe it's from the same people who the rest of the three-hour show looks like we're at the circus now. 
You know, like they can't put an angle and not together. Not even to a good circus, a discount one. Yeah, like it's like a shitty circus now. <sighs> I don't know. It's just crazy. So, uh, Impact had their uh, Bound for Glory pay per view. And I figured we should talk about that. I did not watch. I don't know if you watched. Uh, I didn't catch it live this year, but I'm playing on it just because I never failed to catch it. So, yeah. So neither one of us watched it. Yeah, we we neither one of us watched it live this year. Oh, but I've heard off and on some of the stuff that's happened. So, yeah, they released this Mount for Glory production botches. I guess there were botches that happened. Apparently, this is good old Matthew Matthew Gregg of Botchamania put this on his uh, Twitter. Yeah. And you I don't think people would know by now. You don't fuck up with Matthew in the universe. Because <laughs> he'll find out and he'll make fun of you. It belongs to us. The NFL has their Super Bowl. Oh, hold on, wait, wait, we gotta go back. <laughs> you heard this. That's how they came on the air. They came on the air with no music. The music wasn't ready yet, and you can hear them fumbling for their mic. We gotta do that one again. It belongs to us. The NFL has their Super Bowl. Introducing the participants first from Los Angeles, California. TJP. Oh, you, hear, you see that Josh Matthews is complaining. First from he said, "How would they know to test us during the day?" Like he's pissed off because he's right. He's right. Los Angeles, Listen California. TJP. TJPA, former X Division champion. He looks ready to go. Rich challenges for the championship here tonight. We're also on the verge of a wedding here in Impact Wrestling. Okay, can somebody help us with our audio issues? Oh, I can't remember the call. Are you ready for this? Huh? Oh, look at that. They had literal production issues like that in the middle of Bound for Fucking Glory. Oh. oh baby you ready for this you know did you see how tacky that was i would fire everyone it would be like a, a mass firing the whole team oh, would dude. be out on their asses get rid of them you got nothing to lose bring in some students it, it, it would have been like a lineup except interns. everybody's going yeah it's time to clean house at impact whoever this, it's bound for glory this is a pay-per-view to people people don't even this pay for pay-per-views that often you know what i mean like we're used to having the network and shit like that so it's kind of like, like if you're gonna impact have a pay-per-view only has two actual pay-per-views out of the whole year I would clean house. I know it sounds cold, but I would clean house. If you have a pay-per-view nowadays, a wrestling pay-per-view, and it comes out like that, I would have to clean house. If you were near production trucks, you're gone. There's no way. I don't care if that shit happens on a week-to-week, but when you got to buckle down for something like that for Bound for Glory? Oh, my God. Not good, man. Somebody should have to pay for that shit, and they should make it public like WWE is, like throw them under the bus. Feel bad for them now because it's not their fault. Yeah. They're trying, but there's some incompetent fucks in the back there that don't that's know how to the run bad, the simple that's the, that's microphones the and shit. Part with it, like I think that's the most unfortunate part is that the guys are trying, but it's like, how much can you do when you have that kind of an issue? Yeah, tell me about it. Well, hopefully there's some sort of a punishment because no, I've never seen production that's looked that bad before. You know, if you if you don't have that much confidence in your production team, then the backstage stuff needs to be pre-taped. Exactly. So you just chop that part out. So uh, Kylie Ray, apparently, according to Fightful, uh, she drove to Nashville before Bound for Glory, um, but she never asked about call time Saturday uh, for Saturday's impact obligations, and uh, she didn't show up. 
Yeah, um, from what I've heard, she was replaced by Sue Young in this match. So do you know the the, the outcome? Um, from what I've actually heard, yeah, it looks like we yeah. Have... So spoiler alert, because I already know too, so we could talk about it. So so Sue Young replaces Kylie Ray, and yes, you could continue now. Yes, yeah, Sue Young is now a two time Impact champion, uh, Impact Women's champion. She went over apparently she went over Deanna Perazzo with her panic switch. And there were a lot of people in the locker room worried about her because no one heard from her, even though she drove in and she didn't update her status. And uh, they reached out to her and they, they were worried, but they told she's alive and well. Listen, I'm going to go ahead and say that there's something funny about this girl. Okay. She yeah, is, I literally, uh, that was my exact thought when I heard about this. She's more like Kylie No-Show. That should be her gimmick because in eight, remember she had that big outing in the AEW press conference at poolside and she came out and she had all that charisma and the promos and she was, she was pretty much one of the female faces for AEW for a while. And then she kind of just discreetly stepped away and didn't have a reason and didn't give a reason. And uh, I know people, and I know people say she doesn't know a reason, but you kind of, in a way to the wrestling communities do since you promoted something and then it just kind of disappeared and it fucked off. And now here we go again. This is bound for glory. And somebody who, I don't know if she was going to win the title. It's strange that Sue Young, who wasn't even planned to be in the match, was put in the match and then given the title. I couldn't imagine uh, them doing that unless Kylie Ray was going to be the one that won the title, in my opinion. But so she she literally didn't show up for that. And then there wasn't really much disclosure as to why. Like, there's something strange there. And I've heard rumblings, and I don't know if it's true or not, you know, about mental health days and, you know, people doing that kind of shit. I'm going to give a very unpopular opinion on here. But you don't always get to have a fucking mental health day. I know people say take it. It's not always there to take. Money's not always there to take. You know what I mean? Time isn't always there to take. So it's like you can't just tell people to take what they need because what they need isn't always accessible. I don't agree with the philosophy that someone just needs time. I, I, I understand it. I empathize with it. But I don't agree with that means that they get it. Unfortunately, sometimes you're in a position where you have responsibility and accountability, whether you're a writer, an actor, a wrestler, sports athlete, anything. I feel like on some level, and not in all levels, but when people take these random mental health days, and I'm just assuming because we don't know it doesn't spoke up, but based on the people who feel that it's that and are justified if it's that, I think that that's a cop out a lot of the time. You get that every now and then. You know what I mean? Some people take but mental like, health days like all the time. Like there's a situation, like if you're going into your pay-per-view, basically it's WrestleMania, your mental health, your mental health day is going to have to wait until the day after. Like, you're going into TNA, notoriously their biggest pay-per-view, in a championship match. You're going to have to work around that. And uh, that, that, I, that, 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 that would be like, like the Undertaker just being like, ah, oh, didn't feel like defending the streak, need to have a mental health day. What? Yeah. And I'm going to get her off of the screen also because I don't want this. This is not directed. This is a segue officially because we don't know what's up with her. I'm going to go on record before we segue. Just saying there's something weird about her, though, and with the way that there's always some sort of a disappearance or some type of strange shit, no matter where she goes. Uh, now, sort of segueing, because I don't want this to be directed at her or anyone in particular. This is just things I see in general. This is in the Twitch streaming community, in the Facebook gaming community, in, in wrestling, in podcasting and everything. Um, part of being a professional, in my opinion, to me, everyone has a different definition of what being a pro is at something. Being a pro for some is being the best and gaming being the top scored person. Uh, you know what being a pro is when it comes to being a wrestler. So for me, I've always felt there are two kinds of pros. 
when you're doing your function, whatever you feel your function is, and this is the reason why wrestlers take offense when people throw them under the bus. When you're able to support yourself via your function, when you've made it to that level, you're a professional at it. It's one way to look at things, which I 100% agree with. So that's why when you see a wrestler and they're like, and people are going, oh, he, you know, he needs the top card. He's a mid carder or whatever. He's feeding his family on his wrestling salary. He's not like he's doing this on the side. Like once they've made it to that level, they, like they've essentially made it, you can say. When people seek out to do things in life, like whether you choose to be a doctor, a lawyer or whatever, or a fireman or a cop, you never say you're going to be the top cop above all of the other cops underneath you. You know what I mean? You making it essentially as a successful career cop or lawyer or whatever you are is essentially the goal. You've never, ever in any other establishment heard afterwards, aside from in sports, where the goal is now you're going to be the top of whatever that field is. And nonetheless, they do have tops of fields and there are uh, points in those careers to aspire to. Sometimes there's a goal within a goal. But the point is that when you talk to your, your, your successful family members or friends or whatever, or they talk with you and, and the discussion of success comes up, if you, if someone wants to say to you, you know, yeah, he's a successful lawyer, you wouldn't be like, well, how successful? Like, is he the top five, like in the planet or anything? It's like he made it. He has a house. He's fucking has a retirement, et cetera, et cetera. So these wrestlers, you have to look at it like that. In one aspect, they are pros um, and they've made it. That being said, I feel that that's, that's only one aspect. The second aspect to me of making it is no matter what happens, no matter what you do, it is, it is, it is what you do. And what I mean by that is if you say you're going to do something on schedule, you do it. No matter what's happening in the world, no matter how sick you feel, no matter what, what, how stressed out you are, how sleepy, or whether or not you need a mental health day, or whether or not you need a physical health day, whatever, to the best of your ability, I think the other aspect, the other side of the coin, just as important as, as, uh, any kind of monetization is that you are professional in the sense that you're always doing whatever it is you're supposed to do. And I feel like if she's supporting herself as a wrestler, going back to her, not targeting her, but just as an example, then the other part of that responsibility goes to being there and showing up. And even if you're not supporting yourself with whatever your function is, part of being a professional, whether you're a streamer or a gamer or whatever, is you do what you say you're going to do when you're going to do it. You don't pop up on Twitter with an excuse and you don't do even worse like what happened in this case and not even pop up. And I see that across the board again. And that's the reason I'm not aiming this in anywhere particular, but I just see it across the board. It's almost okay to have an excuse nowadays. I didn't do it because of this. I didn't come there because of that. I was really tired, had a headache, was sleepy, needed mental health day, was hungry, hangry, spangry. You know, get your ass to what you said you were going to do or don't say you're going to do it. That make any sense to you? Yeah, just the spangry thing threw me off. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Like, if you're gonna miss some if you're gonna miss her obligation, one, it's gotta be something other than I need a mental health day. And two, if it's something else besides that, say something. Because um, from what I've heard, they ran the promo. As if she was going to be in the match. They thought she was. Like literally up until the moment Sue Young came out, nobody knew Kylie wasn't there. Yeah. I, so it's I, like how like on top of the production issues, how awkward is that shit? It's weird. We live in a world now where we're forgiving for certain things that we shouldn't be and unforgiving for other things that we should be. And it's just weird. And I think that's one of them where it's kind of like fulfill your goals. Write it down. There you go. <laughs> you know, fulfill your goals. 
But uh, yeah, that kind of bothered me just hearing about it because like, yeah, Del Rio did that back in the day. Remember that? We didn't cut him any slack when he just kind of disappeared a long time ago. Yeah, nobody gave nobody cut him a bit of slack. He just fell off the grid. Years later, we find out he's crazy. That's a red flag. He could be crazy. I'm not saying they're real crazy, but it's different crazy. You know, like this is the second time. Because the thing about it is, when she dipped down from AEW, we didn't find out about it until what a week or two later. Exactly, and I thought it was weird. Then I told you guys, and then it was like all for private reasons, and there was just no disclosure. Which again, there'll be that argument of that we're not entitled to it, but at the same time, it was fucking promoted to us. If I invest I'm my sorry, time, at the second time, we're entitled. If I invest my time into somebody's uh, promotion, as as minuscule as they may find that, then I kind of feel a little bit entitled to finding out why. In other words, in layman's terms, like if I sit and listen to you promote yourself about being on a thing and doing a thing, and then you don't do the thing, then I expect you to at least explain why, since I sat and listened to you promote yourself doing the fucking thing and talked about you doing the thing. Does that make sense? It's like, that's what makes me Perfect. feel entitled. It's not just self-entitlement. It's it's investment. If you invest yourself into these people, which, by the way, when it comes to wrestlers, they do need that support. Those pro wrestling tees, those pay-per-view buys, the fans are what supports the business. So if a fan takes time out of them out of their, their day in a competitive business during a press conference to listen to you, who we honestly don't fucking know because you're not that popular in the indies, but we're willing to give you a chance because of the environment that you're, that you're in. I kind of feel she didn't owe that to the fans for whatever the reason is, for whatever the reason is, because at the end of the day, she got a rub in a way for free because she showed up at the press conference and put herself over on that podium. And the reality is nobody would have given a single flying piece of squirrel shit who Kylie Ray is if she would have showed up on impact first. And that's the truth. She got the buzz of going to Impact because she was supposed to be in AEW. Facts. If some girl named Kylie Ray just popped up in Impact, it wouldn't have meant shit. We wouldn't have even been talking about this right now. She could have no-showed Mount for Glory. No one would have known. It was all because of but AEW and because AEW of the fans. And because of the fans in AEW that followed her and retweeted her shit because they thought she was going to be part of AEW in the beginning. It helped elevate her. There's no denying it, whether it's intentional or otherwise. There was an elevation that this girl had. And the only reason we know about her was because she was supposed to be in AEW because she never was. And now she's with a smaller company that pulls her in because what does Impact do? They're momentum magnets. Whenever somebody's a free agent that has any momentum, what that person has buzz, grab them. So they fucking grab her. Second chance. Here's her and big pay-per-view. And then she's not there. And it's like, oh, it's okay not to be there. But you have social media. There was no possible way to tell anyone anything at all. And I'm saying this under the notion that according to the sheets she is alive and well because i would feel terrible if she isn't and the only reason i'm saying that is because i'm almost in disbelief that someone who's alive and well would fucking do that i feel like it would make more sense if it turned out they were mistaken than to think that a person would just as, as being employed that would just fucking disappear off the planet and everyone's acting like it's normal because she's sweet i mean if you do if you don't do proper things that's not being sweet that's acting sweet you know <laughs> right so i don't know man i don't know what what are your thoughts with this yeah, it's it's really weird because I mean, from what I've seen on the Impact, they've been building up this Deanna Perrazzo, Kylie Ray thing for quite a while. So then to hear it was like, oh yeah, um, Sue Young champion. What they added Sue Young to the match? Oh no, they ran Kylie's music and Kylie never came out. He, she fucking bailed on him. That's crazy. <laughs> like, what? 
And don't get me wrong, I'm not. I don't have a problem with Sue Young as champion. The fact that Sue Young Susie whole thing is actually one of my favorite things they do in Impact right now. But like, what? Oh man, I just again, I've always every time we talk about this girl, and the only reason we do is because she stood on an AW podium. But every time we talk about this girl, you know, like it's just a little bit strange. It's it's it's, it's so bad. Like imagine if you'd have pulled this during like freaking an AEW event. Imagine she had been a double or nothing and she was supposed to wrestle for the freaking AEW Women's Championship and just didn't show up. Inquest says, sounds like she's the female ACH. And you know what? We can't even say that because we don't know. I have no idea what she is. That's the strange thing about this girl. Like, what is she? You and know? Didn't he, and didn't ACH at least tell that he was leaving? Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't quite about it. an enigma. You know? He's a weird. Yeah, I don't know what is going on, but once again, yeah, like, she, I, I, we we need answers. We need them soon. Like, yeah, no, you're probably not gonna get them. Should just disappear. Go to Chikara next. They on Chikara show and then go to fucking Lucha Underground. Yeah, if you wish. <laughs> no way, that's right. They're not even here anymore. <laughs> so apparently, in other Bound for Glory, notes, we're not gonna go over all the results, but Heath Slater got injured. Yeah, I saw some. I saw some about this earlier day. I didn't see what the injury was, but yeah, apparently he got hurt and uh. Did some kind of a bowel reality, I believe. They said he went to the hospital after the match because he had a hernia and he thought that he needed surgery. And well, the thought is that he needed surgery, so he'll be off for a while. That's according to Meltzer. That's what doctors told him. Whoa. So, and they had That's to change. Probably, they called an audible, apparently. Show up from nowhere, like. They called an audible, apparently. Rhino had to go over for him or something. Wow, what bad luck. Yeah. And the worst part about it is, is hernias are so unpredictable, too, from what, I, from what I've always heard. It's like this team wasn't meant to be. Yeah. And you know what? It's almost like I could believe that this team wasn't meant to be since I can't remember where the fuck they came from. Where were where, Why is there a Heath Slater and Rhino? Did I miss something in, in a show I watched? Heath Slater and Rhino on WWE. And, and it, well, why was there a Heath Slater and Rhino? You see what I mean? Like in a show I watched oh, I weekly, know, I can't even understand why, looking back, that there is even a Heath Slater and Rhino. I've known Rhino for a long time in wrestling, and that doesn't make much sense. But everybody's really emotional <laughs> about getting it. You know, I think that just goes to show how wrong the world is when people are going, finally, Heath Slater and Rhino might get back together. Like, what? <laughs> like, wait a minute. Why were they together in the first place? You know, that was one of those things that happens because of one of the WWE drafts, right? They just wound up slamming people together. That's what they do sometimes. Yeah. Oh, God, you're right. Because remember, they were the first ever SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Look at that. Oh, oh, God. The forces of the universe are trying to keep this team apart because it's strange They're as hell. Un- they're, just, they're trying to unfuck up what WWE did. They're like, uh, no, we're not bringing this bullshit over the impact. And then Heath Slater will come back and Rhino will be injured. Right, right. they're just going to do whatever they can. Just like gonna... You know, Rhino's injury is going to be another fucking birthday at this point. Like, good lord. Ooh. How many freaking, how long is he in a row? He's going to be like Terry Funk? How, how old is Rhino? Is he, is, did he start young or is he really old? I think Rhino started pretty young. He's been in the game for a minute. I don't even know his age. Uh, but yeah, I hope Heath Slater gets back in time to be part of his uh this dream team. <laughs> Good lord. Oh, yeah, but but all seriously, I do hope that he feels better soon because yeah, hernias suck. Yeah. No, they definitely don't sound very fun. I I've known people who have had them before. They were like, it's the worst part about it is that it's sudden. So like <laughs> you you never see it coming. It's fucking magical. Sugar Shade, what's up? What, like, it's just all of a sudden you're just in super pain? Like, yeah, it's like, it's literally, like, instant. <laughs> wow. Like, from what I've heard, like, it, and I guess it sometimes depends on exactly what it is, but yeah, like, literally, it will hit you in the blink of an eye. 
That sucks. It, I it, hope to it, never it, experience it. it knock on wood. That is me knocking on wood over there. Yeah, right. Yep. Fuck it. No. Hey, we'll hey, you go. That's, that's some crazy superstitious <laughs> shit right there, but that it sounds scary enough that it warrants it, right? Yeah. You know. Awful. Alright. Moving along. What do we have here? Ooh, well, I mean, if we're off of the Bound for Glory thing, I think I mentioned it before during our little uh, warm-up. Mm-hmm. I had some stuff I found, I um, discovered this past weekend that was awesome. What's that? So, uh, as a lot of you guys know, um, I, I, I grabbed uh, the new US, EA Sports UFC 4, which, by the way, fantastic. Well, um, for Halloween, for October this year, EA decided to give us all a little bit of a treat. Are you talking about Not the Brock Lesnar thing? Course, uh, it, yeah. Yeah, they gave Brock Lesnar the DLC. That was a while ago, wasn't it? It was like a week ago. No, it's actually only been maybe a few days. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Even people who don't have the game, I believe, can download this. Just go to the store and search Brock Lesnar. Is it still there? Um, Yeah, I believe he should still be there. Yeah, you can go and grab it. Yeah, it's actually, um, what's cool, um, pop in the chat room real quick, exactly all the reveal trailer for it. First of all, by the way, Brock handles like a dream. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's good to have him back. I don't know if this is a sign. But the fact that this is the first time I think he's been in a game since officially since UFC uh, Undisputed 2010 for the 360. They threw him loosely into the first EA Sports UFC game, but this is the first time he's like back, back. Gotcha. That makes sense. Well, I'm going to need a couple of minutes to grab oh, that yeah. because they, yeah, actually, yeah, take time, but... they actually ironically need me to sign in to confirm my age of the That's trailer, awesome. <laughs> which YouTube does not normally do. I yeah, love that I mean, platform. It's kind of funny because like you'll see in the trailer too the way they built him, and I like that they use this. Uh, they actually built him off of the body of his original UFC run, because you know we only got like jacked up Brock for that one fight against Mark Hunt. He looks more like old 2010 Brock. Oh yeah. So it's kind of it's been fun using him. Um, he actually even has his own taunt in the game because one of the features they added is uh before the fight starts when the ref points and asks you are you ready you can do one of four different taunts they have brock's uh chin check one where he basically punches himself in the chin several times they have it also as a celebration but it's it's good to have him back this i feel like this might be a sign that he's coming back to the ufc at some point though because like they they full grown this is my house this is my home the ufc is brock lesnar baddest man on the planet there he is in the flesh what an absolute monster. That doesn't look bad. That looks good. I wonder if that thing's part of EA's uh, Game Pass thing, because that's being integrated into the regular Xbox Game Pass. I want to say the EA Sports UFC game is. Yeah, it's going to be weird for it not to cheap be. all the time anyway. You know? Yeah. But yeah, EA Sports UFC 4 has been a banger, and it's cool to have Brock in it this year, which is the first time we've had Brock in, in a long time. And in fact, actually, especially the way they changed uh, change it up with the EA Sports version of the game, this is now going to be the first time you could run through a career mode with Brock. Oh, that'll be interesting. So they must have added yeah, a lot in- more for it. Yeah, because in, in the first three for the 360, you had to make your own fighter. Ever since, uh, I think it might have been EA Sports UFC 2, you've been able to bring the licensed fighters in. And yeah, Sugar Shane, the mechanics were a lot better. It feels more realistic this time around. Yeah, that's cool. Can't wait to see what they do next gen, which, by the way, we're only a couple of weeks away from. 
So that's pretty nice. Oh, in in heaven. Time flies, <laughs> right? Yo, it feels like just yesterday. We were like, we're only like a couple of months away. Yeah, that's something else. Oh. So uh, New Jack uh, came up in the news. Apparently, he did an interview. I don't know if you remember, but uh, he spoke to Vice. Uh, and they gave him uh, a statement. He provided a statement to, to Vice. For those of you that don't know, his son is a drag queen. And there was like some talk about him disowning his son for being a drag queen. So the statement that he released to Vice is quoted as saying, my son was mentioned in my book that just came out last year. So the statement about me disowning him three years ago is simply not true. I've heard there was a mention on his Twitter feed that he was upset because he was only mentioned once in a chapter that was half a page long. I spoke briefly about him and four of my other children. He was actually one of my kids that was mentioned by name. I also mentioned the fact that I keep any information about all of my kids private because that has nothing to do with wrestling and it's my own personal business that I prefer to keep private. So uh, Ringside News provided a link to apparently what he said in a September 3rd Facebook video clip that I'm assuming was going to contradict that. Oh, God. Yeah, I know, right? That's what I was thinking. Oh, what New Jack done said now. There's a lot of shit going on right now. Got my name on it. I can't really go into detail about it, but it's some real fucked up shit. But, you know, I would just like to say to you, little faggot motherfucker, you know who you are, and you're not my son, you bitch. So now that I got that out of the way. <laughs> Damn. That sounds like he said it. Yeah. You. Were- I mean, I, uh, yeah. That was one of those cocaine is a hell of a drug moments. Right, I hope that was a cocaine talking. I mean, it's New Jack, guys. I'm. Di- I, are you disappointed in him? Yes. Are you surprised? I no. I'd be surprised if, if you are. Where have you been? But uh, that was definitely disappointing. Yeah. He's talking about his son, who's a drag queen. But he, this is after. Well, this isn't after. But he denied that this happened. She's more surprised that it was that nice. You know what the sad part about it is? She's not wrong. <laughs> if you ever listen to New Jack shoots, that man goes. Was in. he done? Because I stopped it because I felt uncomfortable. Let me just peek oh. a little bit more. My favorite ECW wrestler. Okay, he's going on to talk about wrestling now. Yeah, you see, I stopped it. I didn't know if that was it, but it was just like, yeah, is he done? Okay, yeah, he was kind of for New Jack nice, I guess. Yeah, you know what's sad? It's still sad, you know. Yeah, I'm not gonna share is. that one, man. Like, if you guys wanna, like, I don't wanna wanna promote that shit here. Like, normally I share the link in the chat room and on our Twitter, but that sucks. You know, that's a family thing. He should have left that shit in the family. Like, we don't need to know on social media. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you expect him to be stabbing his kid in the video? <laughs> Go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, with fucking uh, with natural born killers playing, right? Yeah. It- <laughs> <laughs> That's the song they used to loop, right? That, that for those who don't know, <laughs> old, old school wrestling fans know this. Back in ECW, in fact, anywhere he wrestled, the funniest part about New Jack's bit is that his music would come out and he'll play. It would never stop. New Jack whoops your ass to a theme music, mm. and it never stopped being funny. In fact, um, Rick, you're familiar with the Danbury Fall, right? The incident with Vic Grimes. Mm-hmm. That that his music was still playing when that happened. 
Let's see if we can get this. Do we have this here? No, that's what fucking Stacey and Tom's gonna have. What? That's what Stacey and Tom's gonna have in the sun. That's so messed up. Yo! I can't you, even you feel imagine, comfortable. Imagine, like, so Tommy Dreamer, Sandman, just everybody catching ass whoopers and that just in the background. And Sugar, Mass Transit, that was on him. <laughs> Talking about he was trained by Killer Kowalski. Don't you? No. <laughs> that's the one That's the one incident that I feel like nobody can put on New Jack and Mass Transit. There is such uncomfortable content in today's program. You know what I'm saying? Like, but at least we had Brock. It's okay. Yeah, at least you had the Brock Lesnar thing. Right. Come on, I can't question. You know, damn well Vince ain't, ain't, ain't signing him. You can't make New Jack Cuddly. Can you imagine what New Jack would have been like in uh in WWE? They had to cut his segment on TV every week. I yeah. think he even said in an interview once the only reason Vince didn't want because Vince couldn't control him. I'm like, no shit, Vince couldn't control the Paul. He could, be, could barely keep him on the Are raps. You kidding me? You know how much shit I've seen that man do? I don't know <laughs> about that, man. Think if I it was a hundred mile radius, I'd leave. <laughs> they would have brought him in as freaking uh, Three Prophets' uncle. Ooh. Uncle Stop Russ. In the background, sweeping. Every what now and then, he'll be the guy that gives them advice and stuff. All oh, you boys are in the jam again. You know how they do. They give them some shitty, <laughs> give them garbage gimmick. You imagine fucking CFO Ching fucking putting his music on everything. <laughs> I'm telling you, he would have been Uncle Ross, the fucking uncles of the Street Profits. Oh, Uncle Ross. You know what the bad part is? They came. They, they, his music would have been that shit from the fucking Boom Dogs when Ruckus comes out. Yeah, exactly. He would have been one of those kind of guys. <laughs> Motherfucker in the middle of the ring, rage, why Jesus? <laughs> Driscoll's almost made it to WWF. They didn't say something homophobic. One of them tweeted some homophobic shit. I think it was Jay. But let's be real, it worked out for them in the better. So. One of them tweeted, and I'm sure the other one agreed. <laughs> There's no proof of that, but I don't think that they had like a, you know, agree to disagree moment on whatever it was that happened. You know, they just don't strike me as a type, you know? <laughs> so they didn't get both of them. That's okay. I like them in Ring of Honor. I like them being on Henry's Divide. Yeah. Which, speaking of Ring of Honor, apparently they've officially removed Marty Skrull from their roster. Is this true? Yeah, I saw this uh, earlier today. Is this because of that Me Too shit? It has to fucking be. Really? Dave Math also. He was another Me Too guy they called out, right? Yeah, him too. And he's removed from the roster also. Oh, shit. And they weren't in the recent television tapings. And yeah, they said he hasn't been involved, according to Ringside, he hasn't been involved in the speaking, in, in the creative part since the speaking out movement thing. And he was the head booker before. And there's an investigation being conducted by Sinclair Broadcasting. So there's a very possibility, a very high possibility that they just quietly let this guy go because of the Me Too shit. They're head booker. When you think about it, because for, for years of Ring of Honor, it was Jim Cornette and Delirious they booked it together and then they re- released Cornette and to my knowledge it was Delirious before that it was what was it Gabe Zapowski? yeah I think it was Gabe and now you got uh, this guy who I thought was pretty good and he cut he him was loose one of their top stars for a long time yeah so hmm. I guess they have to do it until the investigation is over yeah I mean if that's the case like, it would make sense but it's like I would hope that this is something where it's like when stuff gets cleared up like bring him back but it still sucks that all this time the guy's not able to do what he's supposed to be able to do, you know? Exactly. Like, I think that's garbage. But whatever. I mean, if they have to do the investigation, they said the Sinclair Broadcasting's notoriously slow with this kind of shit. So, I mean, it's going to be a while. 
which that gives people expenses, assuming he's found innocent. What a waste of time and resources. Which brings me to Exhibit B, Joey Ryan, who has now done another lawsuit. This one is <laughs> Joey coming for all, all of apparently y'all. Apparently, a $15 million lawsuit against a guy in Pennsylvania. It has emotional distress, um, false light, and intentional interference with, with prospective economic advance. And this is, uh, this is apparently a wrestler from Ring of Honor called Pell Permeo. Am I saying that name right? Pell Permeo? Uh, I believe you are. Yeah, apparently, uh, it's because he's suing him over a Twitter post that he made during the speaking out movement. And, uh, all the wages he lost from the speaking out movement, including $500 per month from cameo video messages, a thousand per month in merchandising revenue, a thousand per month plus additional tips and subscription shares from his Twitch account, losses at $1,500 a month from his bar wrestling promotion, uh, no longer receiving the streaming and distribution earnings, $2,000 losses per from bar wrestling events, 3000 per month in loss of revenue from his Patreon account, and then the loss of eight to 10000 per month in lost wrestling bookings. That's a lot of money. Wow. <laughs> Joey Ryan ain't playing. <laughs> he just went so crazy, huh? That motherfucker said, I'm clapping back on everybody. I'll sue everybody. <laughs> you getting sued, and you getting sued, and you getting sued. And then I'm not even going to have to pay for it because a GoFundMe page was opened up called Justice for Joey Ryan. And they raised $220 out of the $100,000 goal. The creator of the campaign's username is Nine. So we don't know if this is actually done by Joey Ryan, but we just know that there is someone out there named Nine that has opened up this Justice for Joey GoFundMe page. And the writing on it says it happened almost overnight. A series of posts on social media, damning posts offering no evidence of any kind ended a man's 20 year career. Just like that, a handful of tweets destroyed a man's way of living. No legal charges were filed, no arrests were made, no trial took place. Can you imagine losing your entire career, your life's work because someone tweeted nasty things about you? Can you imagine losing your contract with a major television organization without so much as an opportunity to tell them your side of the story? Twitter would lead you to believe all should automatically quote-unquote believe victims the real world would lead you to believe anyone can type anything into twitter at any time all in the interest of the imaginary concept of quote-unquote social justice the real world has real justice the real justice is served in the varying legal systems put in place by this wonderful country the united states of america we believe there are many like us we believe there are many who support joey ryan but have to do so from social media shadows a kind word a voice of support or even a like of a social media post could result in becoming the next target of mobs of supposed quote-unquote social justice warriors who would see to it such supporters and quote-unquote tried and hanged before a global audience all in the name of quote-unquote social justice we are here to represent those who support joey ryan but have to do so anonymously we are here to support real justice being served in courts not on the screens of smartphones and computers We are here to raise funds to help cover the vast legal fees associated with the necessary lawsuits filed by Joey Ryan to clear his name and receive compensation for what we believe to be wrongful termination. The choice to support Joey Ryan is yours, publicly or anonymously. Thank you for your consideration. That was pretty well written, huh? He went the fuck in. (laughs) You know, I can't disagree with too much that was said there, man. Not a single thing. We've been saying a lot of that shit, right? We just weren't civilized about it, but yeah. <laughs> we were civilized sometimes. Uh, so, so, <laughs> you know, I like that. I didn't know that was going to be so good. 
like, I mean, yeah, it's being realistic. It's like some people just said some shit with no actual evidence. And this man basically lost everything he worked for for it. So uh, <laughs> we coming for you. <laughs> yeah. And again, we're not saying that these things don't happen, but we're just saying, again, this was no evidence. This wasn't done in any legal way. Look at the knee jerk reaction that people had. It's crazy how cancel culture works nowadays, man. It blows my mind. You don't get to fight. Huh. Now people are going to see what happens when somebody decides to clap, somebody decides to fight back because yeah, Joey coming for everybody. Like <laughs> Joe, <laughs> everybody who was over there talking shit, Joey coming for you. Yeah, Write that one down. Joey coming for you. Okay. Yeah, the world's becoming a scary place when that's all it takes for you to ruin somebody's life. It's just word of mouth. Words can actually harm you. Yeah. You'd be lucky if stick and stone break your bone nowadays. Yeah, exactly. So uh apparently WWE, according to a wrestling observer, they are going to be having mandatory counseling with wwe superstars in regards to them keeping healthy relationships and this is because of samantha tavill's lawsuit who is samantha tavill again isn't that the crazy matt riddle chick is it wasn't didn't she I have feel like, like a wrestling name that, that's her real name i think her, her, her real name was i think her wrestling name was like candy carthway or something like that. yeah candy cartwright you're right is that what her real name was i already, if it is i already forgot it was she samantha tavill come on why are they doing this to me the fuck made them get professional just for that one girl's name they would normally call it who it is yeah candy Cartwright. you were right why the fuck did they do that it's the dirties you would think i, I picked this up from nbc or something don't you try to conceal this bitch's identity we know who this is yeah, candy Cartwright. samantha tavo's lawsuit uh yeah so they're gonna have these these counseling things that focus on keeping healthy relationships they have a mandatory uh counseling session that they have to do on a streaming via streaming maybe they could pull a cartman but they have to do it via streaming oh i can't believe you just (laughs) (laughs) and uh, this is apparently happening wednesday gonna be total life counseling and oh god i don't even care they're gonna be doing some sort of counseling on how to maintain healthy relationships they want to try it it sounds to me like it's a thing to make the guys less rapey because of what happened with candy cart right even if the guys aren't rapey to begin less rapey like even if they aren't to begin with they're just there to make everyone less rapey that's that's what what i'm perceiving from it you know what can i say (sighs) apparently we're hearing uh john alba got a copy of wwe's lease with the city of orlando oh and uh their contract with the amway center runs out november 24th two days after survivor series and uh from what we're hearing they do need to leave the thunderdome at least that's what's being reported currently that it's time to peace on out of the thunderdome uh wrestlevolt is reporting that they're gonna leave on december 1st i don't know if they extended it because of the contradicting stories but uh They've been talking about going to different parts of North Carolina, Texas, Illinois. Uh, but they need it to be a spot where the sports team that's there won't move them out so that they can set up production. Um, they need it to be where no team plays, obviously. Uh, and it needs to be a place that can wait the place. Newer arenas usually will be able to carry the weight of something like the Thunderdome. So preferably a newer cre- uh, arena. They can they can hold the weight of this, uh, and the power requirements, and they also need there to be a nearby travel hub, since the talent is going to need to fly in and out every week. So to them, I say good motherfucking luck, 
because those are a lot of different things that you have there that you might not find many places. That's also pandemic free. You better do what you got to do to keep your asses in that Thunderdome. Who's ready for more people to get sick? I know they're not, but. Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. Yo, I'm not even joking anymore. Who's ready for pandemic mania? What the fuck? Yeah, that's why today when you guys are talking about Survivor Series in the chat room, I was like, they've been playing Survivor Series all of 2020. (laughs) (laughs) This whole thing's been Survivor Series. No, I say they better stay their asses out of New York. Y'all good up there, don't you know? So, uh... Put up an electric fence or something. Anyway. In other news, Triple H and Stephanie McMahon are celebrating 17 years of being married. Damn! That is a long time, They're like champs. Yeah, that is long. To think, I was already with my significant other before she turned on Vince in that pay-per-view. Ain't that some shit? And they hadn't even, until several years later, gotten married in order for them to only be at number 17. And some of y'all motherfuckers can't hang in for a week. What you doing? (laughs) What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, that drug storyline. Like, we were together before the drug storyline happened. That's crazy. Damn, I feel old. Like, there are people who talk about it like it's a legendary thing. Like, we were already dating at the point where he was doing the whole, Oh, it's Stephanie McMahon, most definitely. (laughs) Remember that shit? (laughs) (laughs) Like, we were already, like, well into our relationship when that angle was going on. Y'all motherfuckers already got to the stage where y'all was getting on each other's nerves. And these motherfuckers like, oh, it's Stephanie McMahon. How fucking desensitized was our generation to the product back then? That I don't even remember thinking too much of that. Like, it was like, yeah, he drugged her and took it to the thing to... (laughs) (laughs) Like, if something like that happened, it'd probably be like the highlight of something that we speak about, like, on tonight's show. Like, we were like, yo, did you catch... But back then, it was like, we just shrugged it off like another role. Like, yeah, he drugged her and fucking put her in the drive-thru of Vegas. To to put in the perspective of how desensitized we were back then, remember that storyline in TNA where fucking Winter drugged Angelina? Oh, and then the magic spells and shit. She didn't drug her. What the fuck is going on? Same shit. Yeah, but the Steph thing was like, I guess it was it was way ahead of its time. It feels so old school now, but it it felt progressive at the time. (laughs) (laughs) Heat, heat magnet. (laughs) Heat. Oh, but yeah, to think it was that many freaking day, years ago. Years and years ago. Good for them, man. Good for them. Congrats Congratulations. to anybody who made it. This is the reason why I always say that, that, that holidays like Valentine's Day, which I do consider a holiday, I like those better than the ones that everyone gets for free. You know what I mean? Because you got to earn those. Yeah, exactly. You get Christmas. Everybody gets Christmas. Like, why are you so happy smiling at me in the grocery store? I'm just as happy as you, bitch. I get Christmas, too. Don't... Don't look at me like this shit is special for you. <laughs> Merry Christmas. No, fuck you. What do you think? I don't get Christmas? <laughs> Come around here jingle belling like if you're on any fucking one. It's all of us. <laughs> you do butt stuff on Valentine's Day. Then you come fucking talk to me, all right? You know, Valentine's Day is earned. Not everybody says happy Valentine's Day. Some of you are uncomfortable. So it means more. <laughs> And your friend don't count, motherfucker. You ain't fucking your friend. <laughs> Yo, that shit got so real for a second. Was... I feel like that's why I guess she hit a raw nerve with everyone. Merry Christmas yourself. Because I have mine. 
I get it twice. <laughs> I get presents twice, bitch. I got two trees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. God. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> oh, but yeah, when you can be together with someone for a long time, Valentine's celebrate the shit out of it. Those are that's way harder to earn than a Christmas. That's Christmas like is a free one every year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was fun. <laughs> it really was. Can we tweet? We need, we need to fucking clip that part and then tweet it out to fucking Stephanie just for a laugh. Yeah, for sure. Just like understand, y'all brought us so much joy. <laughs> yeah, seriously though. Congratulations to both of them, and here's to seventeen more years. Yeah, for sure. One of my favorite power couples out there. Oh, they were great. They've always been great too. It's kind of funny to see them. They were inseparable during the Attitude Era. And then they just kind of went their separate ways for a while, and then they come back together in this new era, and it's like it's still like the same level of crazy. Yeah, it is. They did go with the authority. I didn't think I was going to like it like that, but I did. Not as over the top as the old yeah. DX. You know, no Run DMC music this time. A little bit more grounded. Oh my god, you remember the fucking DMC mix too? Holy shit! Yeah, that was the one Steph was in. <laughs> I love how many people don't remember the freaking Steph had the My Time music before Triple H. No, no, Everybody she, got it, she got it. She inherited it from him. Did she? Okay. Yeah, because he had it when he was with China. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So while we're talking about couples, I just thought this was fun. This made me laugh when I was scrolling through the news. I, I legit laughed out now. It, it, oh, it's, it's, me. it's meaningless and it's so dumb. But I just when I saw it, I wasn't even going to bring it up. But I just found it funny because it was just what Renee uh, tweeted randomly. She put John makes me watch him use a blow dart in the backyard regularly. I saw this video. Wait, there's a video? There was, I, I think, somewhere on her Instagram, around a story, I saw this fucker building this blowgun. <laughs> it shoot this fucking blow A gun. blow dart. And it's funny because he was speaking in interviews apparently recently about how he doesn't understand video games. Like, he doesn't get them at all. The buttons confuse him as to what they do and what's going on. So it's funny, like, he's, he's like a man of simple pleasures. He just wants to go in the backyard and fucking shoot a blow dart, I guess. I just when I read, it, I just laughed though. Like I want to hang out with this guy now. Like <laughs> that's what his that's that's his recreational activity. Where like, the rest yo, of you are playing your dooms and your skyrims. This guy just has a <laughs> he just wants to play with his blowgun. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Oh man, that is an epic person right there. You don't even need a gimmick when you're John Moxley, man. Like he he literally his gimmick is him. You know, that's dope. That's Living the life. Fucking, that's the American dream right there. Nothing but bitches and blow darts. Fucking. I would keep that. Oh, my God. Can we get away, can we get away with bitches and blow darts? Uh, I must see if I can figure something out. I'm going to toast my bang energy drink to, to bitches and blow darts. And there's a free sponsor right there. I got one I because wasn't of. Sure if I really heard that crack in the background. Yeah, it was. I really, I really got that because of Lana's boobs. She, she sponsored it. No, I actually had it before Lana. But I mean, just despite WWE at this point, hey, we're doing it for Lana. Click. We did it for Lana. Oh, so, um, spinning back around to Stephanie, if you do decide to plug the show to her, hopefully she turns it off by this point. Because in a bit of negativity, oh, not no. by me, not by me. But she tweeted out, she says, so proud of the WWE community team and all their hard work to make WWE the 2020 Corporation of the Year with this year's PR News, CSR, and Nonprofit Awards. WWE's mission is to put smiles on faces, and it could not be done without the hard work and passion of the incredible team. So uh, this is about their nonprofit stuff. And then Jake Hager 
put, laughing my ass off. I saw this. I guess lying about over 37 million in quarterly profits so you can fire over 300 people during a worldwide pandemic is a category for an award? And he tagged Andrew Yang in it. Dun, dun, dun. It's weird how people are using each other now, like as a summon, like in Final Fantasy. Like, you know what? I'm going to summon Andrew Yang. Okay, we got one turn. <laughs> Fuck it. Summon the Yang. And then, of course, Andrew Yang's response is, time will change under new leadership. That's very democratic of you, which is what I thought your answer to this entire thing would be. You see what I mean? And that's the problem with politics. You know, you start to go down a path for something that you want, and then you fall into a trap each fucking time. Because they're basically telling you, Rather than addressing, which I don't discredit Andrea, I think he's a great guy, but I'm just saying, everyone's answer to all your problems during this season is vote. Whether or not you agree or not, without a subjective, but that's what Andrea is saying. That's what the implication is. If he's saying that that time will change under new leadership, then basically, as a Democrat, he's essentially telling you to vote. It's obvious who he's telling you to vote for. (sighs) Andrade, this isn't really too much of a story here. But I just thought this was a cool shot. Yeah, especially because who he's in this picture with. Somebody I've actually never even seen before. Andrade is in this picture here. Let's get the picture up on the screen. Uh, with his uncle, the original Pentagon. Yeah, we're all familiar with Pentagon Jr. This is the one that came before him. I literally had never seen the original Pentagon before this picture. So I yeah. marked the fuck out. Yeah, Gomez Palacio Durango. He is the first Pentagon, and he put it under the hashtag Rebuild Andrade. It's one of the coolest things about the luchador culture. Like, you would sometimes always think, like, okay, if it's a junior, it's obviously been passed down from a relative, and it's not usually always the case. I don't know, was he? I don't remember him. If he was, my man. I don't. I don't recall me. him being at least not the um. I don't recall pe- him Pentagon the original the original Pentagon and Junior being uh, related, but. We've seen cases of like Tiger Mask was a was a really infamous example of uh, the fact that so many different wrestlers that had the Tiger Mask character. Yeah, it's always kind of cool to see that mask get passed around so that the character never goes away. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, well, I think we're gonna be getting into the weeklies now for. As we go into our second hour of this, we're going to talk a little bit about stuff that's happened across the board. Destin, I'll let you choose whether you want to talk about the Wednesday Night Wars first or some of New Japan. <sighs> Let's start slow with uh, Wednesday night and then kick it in the high gear with G1. That sounds like a plan here. Let me bring up my stuff. If you guys will give me a minute, we're live. So I like to bring up specific things for specific things. All right. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I'll give that a minute to run there. Okay. So overall with... uh new japan stuff kenny omega was the first match okay and this was against sunny kiss and there were a lot of people that were very excited about this that's something that came up because they were talking about the fact that they were going to be having this great match and i have to say and i'm going to get heat because this is the problem with AEW. they have a very split community as much as they're all united in their love of AEW and their hate of WWE, they're split amongst themselves in this kind of stuff. Because half of their community feels that uh, they were deprived of a match they were looking forward to that was going to have all these cool spots and they were really going to see Kenny Omega and Sonny Kiss. And I think Sonny Kiss looks good out there when he wrestles. The other half, like me though, think that this was the most realistic thing that's happened in AEW in a oh long time. Oh my God, who you telling? 
Like it so, felt refreshing because it was like, and this is what I mean. And it goes to show it's important that this happened, not just because of the fact that AEW has a problem with power levels, but because the fact that they did something like that shows that they know. Because you wouldn't make a statement like that if you weren't by doing that, you're acknowledging that there's a problem in the first place. Maybe that's a bit extreme. Now we're on the other side of the spectrum. I won't be as cruel. You know what I mean? You get some offense in there. But just doing something that extremely opposite of what they used to do, it goes to show that there is an issue. I'm going to show you guys the finish. Um, the, I'll show you the whole fucking match. <laughs> you said it like there was a match behind it. We go beginning, as well. Oh, 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 I got to go back. I can't even bring it up fast enough. Okay, so, having singles competition as well. V-Trigger. Oh, and a knee, the knee got right in there. V-Trigger City, man. He got him. And now Kenny. Wing it, Angel. Oh, my God. Hey, oh, my God. Night, Kenny, Kenny, Kenny. So, you got that. Ran through Sonny Kiss. I mean... Again, my problem, and it's not me disliking these lower tier guys, but it's that the guy that came from New Japan that fought Okada, you know what I mean? That won the G1. You know, the guy who won the G1. It's, and it's nothing. I kind of, you always get the people who are loving all these jungle boys and these Marco stunts. And all. Not for nothing, but this is the guy who won the fucking G1 fighting these dudes. It should kind of look like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? They should not be getting these 25 minute matches that are going longer. <laughs> <laughs> that are going that's like longer than pay per view matches, you know. Not to cut you off, but that face needs to be the screenshot right there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, and keep in mind, people, this is not us having anything against Sunny Kiss. Sunny Kiss is actually of some of the lower two people. That's one of my favorite ones because he's so entertaining to watch. But yeah. Sunny Kiss versus, I believe, Kenny was what the first Gaijin to win G One. He and Okada killed each other three times. Yeah, He's the first ever IWGP US heavyweight champion. Yeah, and then you can, they come here and these guys can come dancing and flossing down the ramp and have like 25-minute matches against these guys. It's getting no, on my nerves, you know? Which I, I, it's funny because I, I was so happy that they did this. And I was like, see, they can do it. Like, like that, that was a guy where it's like, okay, this is somebody not on my level. I'm one-shotting this kid and I'm moving on. Yeah, pretty much. And then again, the match before this, it was Wardlow versus Jungle Boy, you know? Like, there's just some weird pairings here. I mean, I get that they have to use who they have to use. At least Wardlow wins, right? Yeah, Wardlow goes over with a... What the fuck was that he went over with? <laughs> um, oh, yeah, it was that giant, uh, the F-10. Yeah, his little, that propeller thing we talked about last week. Spinning F-5 from hell, man. Yeah, and the Kenny Omega thing was fast and to the point. Uh, what else did we have that was going on? That was relevant oh, to you and AEW. You had the match of Pentel Zero versus Ray Phoenix. That was important. That was crazy. First of all, it was brother versus brother. The first time I think I've seen these two wrestle each other in a long time. Yeah, that's exciting. That was exciting as hell. Yeah, because. and this match was wild. Uh, Phoenix actually going over his older brother with a destroyer. With a Canadian destroyer, yeah. Which but uh, this match was off the walls. Yeah, it's very good. And this match, it was everything I expected from them too. Yeah. So the so the backstory to this match was that this was for a number this was for a spot in the tournament, right? Yeah, basically uh, the winner of this match gets Kenny Omega. Right. So the winner of this gets to gets to face Kenny Omega and that's why the two Lucha brothers were facing each other. But then the unfortunate swerve that happens here, and we're not getting full information on this, is that Ray Phoenix apparently hurt himself during this match. Yeah, and basically I, uh what happened, Phoenix went for um a head scissors from the top rope. 
And as we all know, anybody who's been watching Phoenix, like myself with Lucha Underground, that kid is beyond fearless. Yeah. Phoenix, poor Phoenix lands like what on like the back of his head and neck? Like Yeah, he took a nasty bump. And uh of course, as you all know, it's impossible to watch wrestling nowadays without having to follow at least three or four social media accounts as well as a podcast like this. So the whole conclusion to this outcome wasn't even done on the show, but it was done on social media. Well, look, here's the deal, Pop. You two, one of the greatest matches I've ever seen in pro wrestling history. Not just Dynamite, not just any other place. Professional wrestling history. But you're hurt. You got hurt. You gotta forfeit your spot up to your brother. Look, it's not about you, it's about the family. Uh, let, let me, t- listen, it's not about winning battles. You won this battle. It's about winning wars. Let me try. Look, hey, talk to him, hey. talk to him. Hey, the last time you got lucky. Pero te voy a demostrar esta noche como se debe hacer. Y sabes por qué? Tú bien lo sabes. Porque yo soy Penta. Come on, come on. And then the best, listen, we keep it in the family. You know what the best part is? This is the best part. Honestly, honestly, the best part. After I make John Moxley say I quit and your brother wins the tournament, I get to defend the championship against my best friend. Come on, (laughs) come on, that's good. No, no. Okay. Eddie, you're not good at this, brother. So that's what we're getting instead of Ray Phoenix. We wind up with Pentagon anyway, which I was shocked that that Ray Phoenix went over. So how what a disappointment that now the guy can't fucking be in the thing. You know what's so funny is I was shocked and not shocked at the same time because truth be told, I couldn't even pick a winner in that match. Yeah. But what's so cool about this is do you realize what we're getting in this match? What's that? We're getting a rematch of the first all in. You're right. I forgot about that. That is where they faced each other. This was the, they, they fought in AEW's very first ever, well, even before the brand was actually a thing, their first event. A shame they, they didn't schedule it, it to happen in the anniversary episode that just passed or something like that, you know? Oh, that'd have been great timing, wouldn't it? But yeah, this is going to be an absolute war. But yeah, these two put on an amazing match. It's unfortunate what happened with Phoenix, but the scary thing about Phoenix is that I think especially because this happened with the casino battle or the, the casino ladder match as well. I don't know if Phoenix was so hurt to where he wouldn't have been able to compete as much as it's AEW. Like let's pull this kid out of this match for his own safety, because Phoenix has always had kind of a thing where if I can still go, I'm going full throttle and it's scary. Chip, you know what? <laughs> you just made the list. Oh no. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Thanks for the follow Raj. I just turned the alerts on. I had them off almost for like the last hour. So I guess that's the reason it's been so quiet because I didn't want it to go over you. The moment I turned it back on, I kid you not. It's <laughs> just rolling through like a fucking Rolodex. But yeah, like this, Um, it was unfortunate that he did get hurt. But I like that when Phoenix finished the match, he just, he went as hard as he possibly could just to make sure that the match ended strong. It's unfortunate what happened. But, I mean, the guys put on an absolutely amazing match. It's not surprising. They're brothers. Of course, they're going to be able to kick the shit out of each other like, like nobody's business. But. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, hopefully he gets that back in the future. Yeah. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you were looking at with Phoenix and uh, Pentagon, two former Lucha Underground World Champions. They were probably two of the biggest names in that company for the four seasons that was around. 
when I heard they were going to be fighting each other in the tournament, I was ecstatic. Like, this is the match of, of Dynamite I was looking forward to more than anything else. And yeah. they absolutely delivered. Phoenix, get better soon. Please be careful because that man is literally absolutely fearless because he's damn near indestructible. <laughs> Except when he yeah, gets like destroyed. I said, though, I, I think I think they took him out of that for his own safety because if they let him go, he's going to go like he's not hurt. Yeah. Oh, you're right. It makes sense. So, Chris Jericho, we finally have the Porterhouse Steak. What is it being called again? I'm forgetting the, the uh, name of this thing. The French name. <laughs> the Dinner name. Debonair. The Dinner Debonair. <laughs> La Dinner La Dinner Debonair. La, di- La Dinner Debonair. Oh my God! What what the fuck? I don't know what you, I don't know. Well, I don't know what you know, I'm expected to say. To be honest with you, <laughs> this was so off the walls. Do we, just, do we play it? Do we not play it? Like I don't. I don't even know what to do here. I feel like if we play it, we'll be here all night. Was it that long? Because it went from it went for a hot minute. Looks like I mean, we, we got to do it, man. We gotta we gotta well, go into we, this we for people do it. who okay. are. And I'm gonna send the link out for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. This was an experience. This is a better. Thelma. Uh, her name is Velma with a V. Got it. Completely yeah. understand. Thelma, here's my order. Okay, sweetheart. I'm gonna need a 20 ounce porterhouse steak with a baked potato on the side, and I'm gonna need that sucker well done. Thanks. <laughs> uh, Velma. I would love a porterhouse steak, also 20 ounces, also with a baked potato, but I'd like that cooked medium well. (laughs) Sweetheart, my apologies. I'd like you to strike down that last order. I'm going to have a 20-ounce porterhouse with a baked potato, and I'm going to need that medium. Well, I would like a porterhouse steak, 20 ounces, with a baked potato. I'd like to change the temperature on that to medium rare. Thelma? Please strike my last order. I would like a 20-ounce porterhouse steak with a baked potato on the side, and I'm going to need that rare. Velma, forget my previous order. I want a porterhouse steak, 20 ounces, baked potato on the side, and I like that cooked blue. What is it, more macho rare shit? Extra bloody rare. <laughs> At that point, I'm waiting for him to be like, Velma, punch a cow. What are we doing? Right, doing knock, him, knock him out. We've been sitting here for 20 like, minutes, haven't said a word. You've been rude to everybody. Who's I been even rude, rude to, to the valet guy? Rude to the to the old lady on the on the steps downstairs. You know, we're gonna have this town hall meeting next week with the inner circle to talk to the man on the street to find out what the general consensus is as to whether or not you should join. I don't even know if we should even bother. What's the point? Chris, let's cut through the bull, okay? You and I both know this is a gigantic opportunity for both of us. We're the two biggest stars in all of professional wrestling. Us working together, man, the demo god, and the ratings ruler? All right. Let me just say this. Get cut through the bull. The ratings ruler sucks. People love it. It's terrible. It's got about as much chance of getting over as Orange, Orange Cassidy. Cassidy. Oh, look at that. They bonded over that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. See? We're already getting through our differences, Chris. I mean, come on. Just picture it. Us. Together. I can't believe it. When this started happening, I was like, no way. Like the wall, paper sticks to the wall. Like the seashore clings to the sea. Like you'll never get rid of your shadow. 
Chris, you'll never get rid of me. Let all the others fight and fuss. Whatever happens, we've got us. We're closer than pages that stick in a book. We're closer than ripples in a brook. You'll find him, you'll find me just Close than a recliner thrown in at Hody's forehead, Geyser me. We're closer than snakes are, they slide through the grass. We're closer than Cody's to a jackass. Not a soul can bust this team in two. We stick together like glue. And when it's sleeping time, that's when we rock. Swing. swing to the sky Our clocks don't chime What a surprise They, they ring. ring A ding ding Happy New Year And now to repeat what I said That's At the start You'll need a large crowbar To break us apart We're alone But far from blue This is what wrestling has become folks before we can finish, we'll make the town roar. We'll make all the late spots and then a few more. We wind up at dailies and then the fourth floor. Life is gonna be we while we for my shadow and me. Hey, Chris. What is it, Maxwell? Would you do me a favor? What do you want now? Would you mind taking it one more time? From the top? No, from the ending. Wonderful! And while we are swinging to mention a few... Wow, we went all in with this shit. No pun intended. We'll beat up a Moxley, whatever we do. Life is gonna be we while we I love how they go right back to eating dinner like nothing, like that didn't happen. Like nothing happened, right? Here come those nasty-ass steaks they asked for. Oh, Look at that. Can you eat that? Are you allowed to order some shit like that in this country? Like like rare, rare. Look at that. Gross. Disgusting. I mean, we're going to have to send this back. Velma! Velma! They both call her different name, Velma and Velma. Oh, just to end the bit, right? Right, just a little lonely. I will kick on the nuts. Hey, hey. Back here. Unbelievable. That was, uh, they apparently, that was was the experience. They got the legal permission of the Frank Sinatra estate to do that. Good for them. That was some fucking steak dinner, huh? Hey, that was, I need need to go have steak dinners like that. Where I go for that shit? Order my food and then break out in a song and dance. I can't sing for shit, but I mean, so Alex Bonelio, I don't know if I'm saying that name correctly, he won a Tony Award for his portrayal of Mortis in the 2015 Broadway revival of Spring Awakening. And he tweeted a photo of himself holding that Tony and he said, This is good. I hereby relinquish my Tony Award to Chris Jericho and MJF. So look at that real Broadway acknowledgement. We've made it, wrestling <laughs> fans. Thanks to Jericho, he <laughs> elevated this. We're a classy sport now. 
he did it again. Jericho did for uh for wrestling what fucking uh this guy did for Batman. What was the good Batman director's name? Why is his name escaping me suddenly? The sad part is I know the one you're talking about. Dark Knight guy. Uh, you know who I'm thinking of. I know the one you mean, but like, well, the name's gonna hit me later for some reason. The one that was in Christian Bale's Batman. That oh, guy. Fuck anybody. Loves using high definition cameras more than he even likes the actors themselves. Why are names escaping <laughs> me lately? I'm getting old. Damn, man, it's depressing, isn't it? Like, it's- let's look up that fucking director, somebody. Jesus. <laughs> Anyway, um, so yeah, that dinner thing was really cool. People are acknowledging him. Uh, somebody asked him on Twitter whose idea it was, and he was. They said it was great. Whose idea was it? And he was like, "Thanks, it was Jim Cornette." And uh, that's not true. <laughs> He's trolling poor Jim. You know what the sad part is? Like when I saw this, I was like, "See, now they're just fucking with Jim." Like <laughs> they really are at this point. They really. Oh, are. it was Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan. I know it was another Chris. There you go. But yeah, like at this point, they're just like, okay, you want to keep bitching about shit? We're going to give you something to bitch about now. And that's what they did. They gave you something to yeah. bitch about. Okay, so what else happened in this? Uh, remind my memory. What else happened that was relevant in this Dynamite? Because we got to move to Japan and other things. I'm thinking here. Let's see what we got. Uh, Coca Cabana faced uh, Adam Page, right? With Adam Page going Page over. The, and the, uh, the buckshot. Yeah, and these guys looking on disapprovingly. They are the freaking... AEW Dark Order. <laughs> you know what the sad part is? I can't. We'll we get into it with Raw. You haven't caught it, dude. Point, I've been calling that shit for weeks. The AEW Dark Order. You stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I amuse myself. I can't help it. Anyway. And you gotta uh, do it sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Britt Baker had a match uh, against uh, Killian King, is the girl's name, with Britt going yep, over. This Killian was a return King. match. Uh, and for our main event, we had a four-way dance, uh, so tag team number one yeah. contenders match. Mm-hmm. Now, before we fully get into this four-way number one contenders, because this is once again, and they're doing this a little bit too much now. They need to have these storylines. This is a really strange suggestion of mine. Don't think, don't ask me where I came up with. It. I'm not going to take credit for us being the only show um, that ever brought it up because I don't want there to be any legal shit. But they need to have the storylines that develop the characters on the fucking show that I'm watching, not on social media. I get that that's an extension, but come on. But to but to bring you guys up to speed, apparently what happened is the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny got back together on social media. That's why they just, with no explanation, this apparently must have also been an AEW Dark which I haven't really had the time to watch. I'm going to show you here what exactly was Ladies happening. and gentlemen, the now family is back together. You got my best friend, Pentagon. You got Phoenix, the best tag team in the universe. In the universe, baby. Settle. Yeah. You got the big butcher. You got the jacked up blade. And look at this beautiful specimen right here. Look who's back. The bunny. And now that we're all together... Everybody's gonna pay. <laughs> Family. So the so, what are your thoughts? I mean, that was kind of random. I find so they the were just whole like, thing no more nightmare sisters. So for anybody that doesn't know, uh, the hierarchy within these locker rooms, the blade and the bunny. Not they have me calling her a fucking bunny. Allie, right? Yeah. 
So that's her actual significant other, the Blade guy. For a long time yeah. now, before the existence or, of AEW. Uh, his actual is Braxton Sutter. He was exactly. He was Braxton Sutter. And if you guys go back to early episodes of this of this show, I used to bring up Braxton Sutter back when he was a newbie in TNA as a prospect guy who looked promising that they started to use. Every week, I was like, Braxton Sutter is a guy that they're trying to push. Anyway, that's her real significant other. But they've always been the type that have talked about the fact, oh, by the way, Sugar Shane is brunchies now. Brunch, I-E-S. Um, there you go. You don't say brunchables anymore. It's brunchies for the, for the chat Change room. Change it up, man. Yeah. Ain't lost spin. Dang. Yeah, but they've always said that they're the kind of t- couple that don't want to be that couple. We're just because they're a couple in real life that they're going to have an angle like that. But then when AEW brought it up to do it, it worked well with what they've said in shoots. Now... They decided not to do it, and they had her in the nightmare thing, where she had a crush on what's his name, which didn't make any sense. Uh, and now it's back to just this, with almost no explanation, you know? It's just weird when they go back and forth like that. Yeah. She was a QT Marshall, you know? Or she had a crush on him or whatever. But anyway, that's just to give you guys some insight before we get into the match that Destin was bringing up into regards to what's happened. I like the stable. I like the look. Um, Eddie Kingston's grown on me, you know? They need a good yeah, mouthpiece, like, and he is it. It's definitely yeah, his promo skills absolutely are, are are off the charts at times like um they actually wound up airing the one we mentioned last week on um dynamite and yeah like it literally sounded like a man who was pissed off because his friend left him yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> like he i think one of the exact quotes was uh you said the inmates ran the asylum but then you left us behind mm-hmm. yeah i thought that was really yeah. cool too like you could see, you could really. That's what I've always loved with Eddie Kingston's promos. You can he draws like real passion out of them. He puts himself in these situations. That's how you get the promos you get out of them. Yeah, yeah. He was in disappointing shape, but then when you looked at everything else that happened, uh, it all really worked good. Yeah. You know. Now, uh, so who was in this fatal four way match again? Okay, so we had uh, representing Dark Order, Alex Reynolds, and John Silver. Basically, mm-hmm. the only two that don't wear masks, mm-hmm. uh, the Butcher and the Blade, Private Party, and the Young Bucks. Right. And what winds up happening here is the Bucks win the number one contender match uh, going over Private Party, I believe, right? Yeah, because Private Party almost caught them the same way they caught them uh, early in that tag team tournament when they were first deciding champions. Now, here is my problem again with this company. I like the private party guys. I think the gimmick is great and everything. There's no secret, though, that these guys are like really fucking green. You know what I'm saying? Like they get over really well. They do good. They're really fucking green. I know accidents happen. That Alex Reynolds Dark Order guy got knocked clean the fuck out by Isaiah Cassidy. He was dead. You know what I mean? Like... That was some afterlife level of a fucking bump he took from that leg. So it's like, they got to be careful. You know what I mean? When it comes They're to really gonna... back. Yeah. Oh, no. Look, look, look. You know what I mean? Like, let's take a look here at this shit. He knocked that dude out. Oh, you know what I'm like, saying? He ate every bit of that leg drop. He knocked him fucking out. That sucks, man. You have to be careful with those fucking leg drops, you know? Yeah, because remember with the leg drop, you don't put your hands up like another move. Like, you're literally trusting your entire skull to another person. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta be careful. Spectacular and all, but it's like, you can't be spectacular and be fucking people up like that. Like, you can't be hitting like these freaking Billy Kidman level, like, leg drops. You can't, no. 
Yeah, nah, you definitely can't. Like that to me, that's messed up. Took it right to the face. <laughs> you ass. I didn't, I didn't even plan it. <laughs> I, I only just looked up at my own post and saw that the title itself was Takes a Shot to the Face. So you were spontaneous ass. Spontaneous okay. ass. It all, all happened by mistake. Oh you know. my god! But that, this was that was bad. You know what I mean? Like that the, the guy awful. got like all joking aside, the guy got seriously fucking hurt there. And that's what I'm saying. They got to be careful with some of these greenhorns that they have out there because things like that happening are not really cool. You even see Cody Rhodes. This was done by a fan's camera after, but you even see Cody Rhodes after. <laughs> Good God, it's all up in my ears. We don't need the music for this. But yeah, apparently somewhere in here. Uh, let's see, can we get this large on the screen? Yeah. yeah, so Cody's coming out to check on him here. You know, they're worried about the guy. Man, you know? can even get that's that's that literally uncomfortable. I mean, the good thing is that he's sitting up. There's just too much shit happening in these companies and people are getting hurt too regularly here. You know what I mean? Yeah. That part about it is, it's not even like on the same level like Fiends got hurt. Fiends got hurt because Fiends was fucking crazy. Alex Reynolds got hurt because I didn't cast his fucking green. Yeah. I don't like to see anybody get hurt like that. Yeah. Never. It's never good. Like, these are these guys' livelihoods. Like, you're trusting your body with another person. Yeah, that's a shame. I mean, with that victory, I. Full gear, young bucks of death. He also for the tag championships. Yeah. Well, that's rough, guys. That's really rough. Yeah, get well soon, dude. Mm-hmm. Say what you want about the dark order, but those guys go out there and they bust their ass every night. They sh- shouldn't be in situations where they're in that kind of danger. So after this match, uh, I believe FTR comes out, right? Yeah, FDR comes out and basically tries to uh, attempt to toast the Young Bucks. But they wind up destroying them, and they have a masked person with them. And uh, they try to take Matt Jackson out, right? They do, like, the broken leg chair spot. Yeah, they do the uh, the, uh, leg crush bit. Yeah, but then the corny thing about this whole sequence is that Tully's revealed as the person who's with FTR. It's kind of like, why would that be a revelation? Isn't Tully with FTR all the time? You know what it was? It's because I think the only reason... The, the reason they did this probably is because Tully didn't come out with them. So it's like... So I'm going to assume if Tully doesn't come out with them, that when a third person comes out, it's fucking Tully. See, the funny thing about this, I didn't think that. I thought, okay, because I knew they've been teasing something with like almost like a four horseman-esque thing. And it was just fucking was Tully again. Like, who else would it have been? It's well, so, like, so disappointing. Don't even bother to do that. And also, aren't the Bucks heels? Or it's like, because I'm hearing the story now is that they're not heels. They're, they're baby faces that are going through a lot of stress that's causing them to do heel stuff. That's literally what that's literally what I said maybe a couple of weeks ago. Like they're just pissed off baby faces. Listen, if I had a kid right now, you know what I want, motherfuckers? Baby faces and heels. I do not want to have to explain to him that their baby faces under stress. The fuck are you doing? <laughs> Some of these kids dumb as all hell. You gotta smarten them up somehow. Yeah, but, but not uh... like that. We'll watch con- some conflicting dramas when they're old enough. I'll let them read fucking George R. R. Martin. I'll do whatever. But don't fucking tell me here that I have to explain to my kid. 
that the good that the that the good guys are stressed. They're a little pissed off. They're hitting anything their moves, okay? Why did you knock that kid on the playground? I was stressed, but I'm still good. <laughs> Just make this a little bit more basic. I know sometimes I want some elaborate angles in wrestling, but that's not what I mean. I don't mean I want you to tell me so now I'm supposed to understand that the Bucks are still baby faces, but they're stressed. Okay, you know, just, like You know what the best part is because first well, stress is the wrong word. You don't strike another man just out of the blue. Yeah, you fucking need a mental health day. You see what happens when you don't get your mental health day? You start super kicking motherfuckers. <laughs> you know, that's what Kylie Ray wanted to do. She didn't want to super kick anybody. Oh my god, it's just so strange. You know, it's just a strange world that we live in with the way shit like that works now. You know, they're huge on the, their baby faces on the stress. So now they're now they're under even more stress. So now we, more good guys have to look out. Like first of all, saying understressed—that's a terrible word. If I'm gonna tell it, if I'm gonna tell it, I'm gonna tell it how it is. They are baby faces that are really fucking mad. They're just tweeners. We call those being tweeners in the business. When you're you're an in betweener, that's what we call it being a tweener. But either be a face, be a heel, and and in rare occasions where it works, like Bray Wyatt, Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, even The Rock in some cases, be a fucking tweener. Tommaso Ciampa was a fantastic tweener. The problem with being a tweener is that usually you become a babyface within a few weeks of tweening. You know what I mean? So it's like, like you know, but the Bucks are not fucking tweeners right now. <sighs> but who cares, right? Yeah, I mean, I Just be glad that we got the damn show that we did. So Jericho, after the cameras went off, he addressed the live crowd. I don't know if it's of any significance, but it was posted. About 22 minutes before it aired. And we filmed last night until about 2 a.m. So you never know what's going to happen on live TV. But you fuck up. You get the job done. You put on a great show. And make sure that you guys always have fun, right? week and the week after that i'll get off these ropes because my uh, stocking feet are killing me but thank you guys so much for coming we'll see you again soon all right so then now you get your full aw dynamite experience and also an update because apparently abaddon was also taken to the emergency room because she couldn't breathe because there was a spot that she had that was botched we don't have the full details on the spot but uh it was abaddon and ty conti they were on dynamite and uh Apparently, they called the match off early, and they said they're not exactly sure exactly what happened, but she couldn't breathe after getting hit in the throat, which generally makes you not be able to breathe. You know, if you've watched any kung fu flicks before, that's exactly how you make somebody not breathe. She's supposed to make a full recovery, but we don't know her timetable yet. So, Dang, that's unfortunate, because that's freaking Abaddon's debut. They said that it was pretty serious. According to Dave Meltzer, they said that this wasn't just like some minor thing, like whatever happened, especially the fact that she couldn't breathe, you know, so... They said she went through some shit, so that's kind of fucked up. Ooh, you know, yeah, they, they, I think uh, with that match, that's Abaddon's first appearance on Dynamite, because she's basically been on Dark Yeah, the whole they, time she's been with AEW. Yeah, Melissa said he doesn't think that the match will be airing on Dynamite, so neither do I, yeah, quite frankly. Fucking air it I doubt it, especially if that's the way that it ended. Yeah. So, that can't, is it. Can't have, can't have who, truth be told, when it comes to especially some of the people you see on Dark, especially because Taz fucking sold it so well. Probably one of my favorite women in that company right now. But you can't have her first TV appearance on Dynamite go out like that. No, no, you definitely cannot. All right, well, uh, next we move on to the NXT. That's why we call them next. Right, right? <laughs> uh, I see what I did there. You like what I did there? That was nice. I like that. 
Yeah. But sometimes you don't even get to go first because the show opens and Tommaso Ciampa fucks everybody up. I don't even remember Everything. what was happening. Oh, yeah, it was Kushida. It was supposed to be Kushida and Velveteen Dream. It's kind of funny how they Actually, built Actually, no, up- it was supposed to be a three-way. Yeah, Kushida, Dream, and, and, and Champa, but it never became this three because he just comes on, he starts destroying them. But then eventually becomes a three way, which was solid. I love the way Kushida does the hip toss into the armbar. Um, you know, the purple rainmaker winds up breaking it, you know, which I thought was cool. He comes off the top to break the hole. Champa somehow managed to hit a double Will- Widow's Bell, but a weird one though. Like, mm-hmm. finish being Dream knocking out Champa with a cast from the outside, and then Kushida goes over with the German, right? Yep. Yeah. Good stuff. Very, very solid. Wild match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ember goes over some greenhorn with some sort of a leg lock crossface type deal that she does. What was her name? Her name Jesse Kamiya. Right. And then after Dakota Kai uh, winds up uh, pulling her from the apron, winds up in a fight with her. Because I guess Dakota Kai wants to prove her dominance here. Right. Stay in your lane. Mm-hmm. We will call. We will call fucking Shayna. Yeah. Bobby Fish is backstage with some terrible selling, by the way, Bobby. Come on. You know, he's backstage. Someone hit him from behind. He's stumbling around. We don't know what's going on. Later on, the same thing does happen to Roderick Strong. We'll get back to that later on. Um, so basically, the Undisputed Era are out of their tag title match and uh, mm-hmm. Brian Brawler take their place. Yeah. WWE makes a, a point to make it obvious that Austin Theory is now a jobber because Bronston Reed goes over him and he pulls the Dolph Ziggler. Remember Dolph Ziggler? Come back! Job me again. He does that. He asks him to come back. He gets hit twice. Then he gets in his car and physically quits and goes out of the arena. Again, we don't, if, we don't know if this is hashtag speaking out, but the guy went from being one of their top talents to being someone in the top of NXT that they were going to push to someone being with Rollins to now jobbing out and leaving in his car. I would like to think so. Uh, Zia Lee has this Chinese gimmick where she's like, I must win my match. And the other Chinese dude that they hired, remember that they had the press conference for, he's just standing there looking over her, like nodding, like, mm, you know, and she's all like, I must win my match. And she won't explain why, you know, um, and she gets handed a paper from the big Chinese dude. And, uh, this causes K- Casey Cantanzaro to have a match against Zia Lee, but Lee loses and then she goes nuts and she winds up turning. I feel like this is the second time she's turned because there was like a time she lost her shit a few weeks before that. And, uh, I feel like she half turned on this one, and yeah. like the, the other one, was, like this one was the other half. Yeah, I guess this was the other half of the turn, but it becomes completely irrelevant because you 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 stop worrying about how tough she is when somebody as intimidating as Gonzalez comes on. She just fucking takes everybody out. She basically decides fuck all these storylines. <laughs> that bitch you killed know, everybody. Hitting people with those one handed crazy power bombs that she does and shit. Like it is crazy when she comes that out, right? Like, she shakes wrong. She shakes the ring with those bitches, right? Like isn't that the craziest thing that you've ever seen? Like it's like straight out of All Stars. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, like that is nuts. Whatever she does this to, it's against the smallest people in the match. So it's just like, just so you understand how strong this freak of nature we found is. That is a dominating woman right there, man. That like, she's scary. You know, where it's kind of like, I don't even remember who was out there. I just remember bodies flailing about. <laughs> You know, like she comes out there and clears that fucking ring. Like I can't, I can't wait for this match her and Rhea are gonna have on Wednesday because Rhea's not small. In fact, I think of all of everybody in NXT, I think Rhea's the biggest one besides Renee Gonzalez. Yeah, I'm really hoping that this is gonna be a Gonzalez push, man. She's good, really fucking cool. Yeah, you know, like that. She said, like when Mario gets big and runs through the level. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Okay, so what else do we have? We had a six man, right? We had some sort of a six man match, right? Yeah, it was um let's see. I know it was Isaiah Swerve Scott. Yeah, Swerve Scott, um Jesus Christ, uh Ashanti the Adonis and Jake Atlas versus Liga de Fantasma. Mm-hmm. 
That and it these was. These poor guys can't catch a break. Yeah. There was one thing. Hold on. Let me see if I could find it. You could keep talking while I'm looking for it if you don't mind. I'm looking for one thing in this match real quick. But uh, what were your thoughts on the match overall? I mean, it was the craziness of the cruiserweights I'm expected to see. Like I said, to this point, I still am happy that after everything, after all the times he was job and freaking Raul Mendoza is in a main role. Look at this. Because that was one of my favorite. Look at this. Sorry to cut you off, but this is what I was looking for. Look at this Joaquin Wild spot here. You seen the way he hit there? Oh, Can we my, get that back yeah. up again? Look at this shit. Ooh. That's crazy. You know, <laughs> oh. just the way that that collision just looks crazy, if man. They, you gotta be careful about that kind of shit. If there's not that many bodies there, yeah, he doesn't walk away from that. No, not at all. You know, not be careful, least. man. Be careful, man. Uh, I did like that cartwheel DDT. Same crazy motherfucker cartwheel. Um, Joaquin, aka freaking uh. DJZ, Zima Ion, Cartwheel DDT off the announce table. So, yeah, solid stuff. Really good six, man. Just wanted to throw that out there. We got to rush because we got shit to do. But just wanted to Adonis took a Russian leg sweep, leg lariat from Joaquin and Raul for the win. Yes, totally. Uh, Drake winds up losing it on a tag team match. It was against... Uh, the it was other, Ever-Rise. Yeah, the Ever-Rise guys. And they basically, they have his partner, Killian Dame, in a submission. And they're basically saying he's a loser, just like you. And Drake loses it. And he's like, ah! And he goes in the ring, goes crazy. He gets disqualified nonetheless, but he gets the guy off of uh, Killian with the steel chair. And he goes crazy. And uh, Killian Yo, Dane likes him. He's like, that's the guy. Baby laugh. He's like, that's the guy I need to see. Where was that guy before? I, that was I awesome. Look, he, he looked like he was going to hit him like he has the last two weeks. And he's Slaps him on the chest. That was amazing. Where's that bike been this whole time? Where's that? Yeah, and yeah, Zimayan, aka Joaquin. I don't know if I want to word it that way. Isn't he the one that paralyzed he, the TNA he guy? Had, he had that accident against Jesse Sorensen. Against Jesse Sorensen. Yeah, it was him. Yeah, but it, uh, he was in that match. He was the other guy in that match. Yeah, and in that spot. So you know, yeah, that, that was that was a, that was a accident happened. Spot going wrong. <laughs> yeah man definitely can't wait for the rematch my kid oh. uh so anyway the main thing here is uh only larkin and danny birch were supposed to have a match against the undisputed era but they're not going to be able to because all of the guys are being taken out and kyler ryan well, yeah, is too yeah, worried about supposed to happen. was that it was supposed to be Brizongo defending sorry, yeah, against, uh, against them. But instead, it becomes only Larkin and Danny Birch because uh, Kyle O'Reilly wants to go to the hospital for his buddies. Uh, so these guys are just doing the one of those who made the best man win things. And then one of the most surprising things in a long time happens. I can't believe Freaking, you called this in the fucking air. I can't believe that this turned out the way that it did. But Rich Highland fucking shows You motherfucker. You <laughs> And I'm like, this guy's a monster. He he healed his ankle already. And I'm like, holy shit, it was him all along. He pretended to have the shitty ankle and be clumsy and have a shitty botch. All in an elaborate scheme to actually get the undisputed. This is good storyline writing here, huh? I can't even bring myself to tell that. <laughs> so no. I say he called it in the air because uh, Pat McAfee showed up. And I thought it was Rich Holland. They call me again because when I first saw him for a minute, I thought it was Rich Holland. He shows up masked too. Look at this shit. We got to go. Well, you know, before we even go into that, Keith Lee tweets and he's like, I thought I spotted Slapjack on NXT for a moment there, but it was just Pat though. Oh, well. <laughs> See, everyone thought it was somebody. Come, come on, come on, Lee. 
that mask actually looks convincing. I'd this like is, to say this, this place is after they get like off the air. Absolute dog crap with all of you humans in here this evening. This would have looked much better without you. I was in a building that didn't have any fans. The place was fantastic. Now, tonight, you all got a chance to have a front row seat to watch two men who have battled for years get to the top of the NXT Tag Team Mountain. This is the start of something very special. And a lot of people are probably wondering, how did we get here? We will get to that at some point. Just know that us three are the new kings of this brand. Us three are unstoppable. Us three are nowhere near done with what we're going to do to all of NXT. Have a great night. We're the greatest. You suck. Cheers. That was your boy is back. Funny thing is, you called it after TakeOver 30. It was like, they should bring him back and do something. And they did. They did something. And behold, he literally came back and screwed the Undisputed Era again. 753,000 viewers for AEW Dynamite with a point three in the 18 to 49 demographic. Number 13 in the night versus NXT 644,000 with the point 16 in the 18 to 49 demographic. Number 56 in the night. Once again, we got AEW winning the war point 30 rather i don't know why i said point three point 30 versus the point 16 so pretty much in the same standings more or less and the war wages on that brings us to the g1 climax which we're going to talk about some of the results this week and some of the results next week i know some of you are done with it uh i'm not really we're going to kind of try to rush through it destin if you have anything you want to say about any of these matches you go right ahead uh we're going to do night nine night ten uh, night 11, Naito, no, I'm kidding, Night 12, uh, and, uh, yeah, I guess that will be it for now, we're gonna do it from Night 9 to Night, from Night 8 to Night 12, if we're gonna do, I don't even remember what the fuck I said, something like yeah, that, said about night 12. well, Night 9, we did Night 8 last week, well, anyway, uh, Night 9 was the block A again, with Ju- Yuji Roll, Takahashi going over Shingo Takagi, uh, using that last of the dragon finisher, uh, like I said, it's, it's difficult to talk about these matches as you go deeper because we've covered all of their moves, their spots, their sequences, everything. All we could talk about is their fatigue and shit like Kevin Kelly does, you know. But uh, yeah, any thoughts on at this? At this point in the G1, that's literally what it becomes. It becomes no more about the different moves, the chemistry. It's the fact that, like, by this time, a lot of these guys are hanging on by a thread. Like, the, like by this time, you're in survival portion of G1. Yeah, like, I mean... absolutely brutal, but... Oh god, yeah. I mean, freaking, we had yeah. This this match was. I don't know, like Usual's been having a Usual's been having a rough G one. Yeah, he looked good though. I'm not. Yeah, he looked good. It's just the man just couldn't get, at this point just couldn't get on the board to save his life. Mm-hmm. But, but he hung, he hung in there. I've noticed Usual seems to be one of the guys where he gets back to G one basically on his performances, not necessarily his points. Yeah. So um. Yeah. It was, like I said, it was interesting, but of course we got uh, Takagi going over here. Shingo's getting the rub. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Shingo's been on a roll. Yeah. Jeff Cobb versus Jay White being company by Ghetto, the shitty, the, 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 the shitty club. Uh, with the finish being Jeff Cobb throws Ghetto into Jay White, then goes over Jay White with his Tour of the Islands finisher. That nasty looking reverse power, reverse power slam. Mm hmm. Cobb looking good as always. 
Uh, fuck the they, uh, they as usual, the fucking sweet and low. Yeah, the the sweet and low with that stupid sweet that they do. <laughs> uh, Minoru Suzuki against Okada with finish being Okada countering that cradle pile driver. And uh, he winds up sitting down for the pin. And then afterwards, Suzuki has one of my favorite, one of his tantrums. Yeah, Okada once again finds another way to win. It took me to, it took me a minute, and by the time I got to this night, I was like, okay, now is he challenging himself? Okada's making himself more dangerous in this G1 now, because it's like now he's making a he's making a point to the rest of the block. Like, yeah, I got the rainmaker, yeah, I got the money clip, but guess what? I could do this too. Yeah, exactly. He he's literally showing he's having more and more and more ways to win, but making sure that at the end of the day, nobody's gonna forget about that rainmaker. So it's like he's purposely not using it, and it's almost like a fear tactic to the rest of the block. Yeah, because he straight that. up showed I didn't even use both my finishes, and I got the win. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, we get Tomohiro Ishii defending against Tai Chi, which uh, Ishii goes over with his vertical drop brainbuster. Uh, tai Chi is really growing on me, though, as far as his gimmick and uh. Just the way he wrestles and stuff. And I really like the ending afterwards where uh, the two of them are on the ground and Tai Chi sort of regains consciousness and he's like grabbing angrily like across the ring like he wants to grab Ishii's fucking head. (laughs) You know, like like the the young boys are holding them both back, but that's why he's still trying to grab him. Like the hatred bled over past the match. Like he's leaning over while he's out, <laughs> just trying to get him. But I really like Tai Chi, and of course we like the Stone Pit Bull. So all looking oh. good here. Any yeah, thoughts? Loves Ichi. Yeah, this was a. I, I kind of remember you mentioned maybe a few weeks ago. Kind of wish that I guess uh, Tai Chi would get a little bit more into his entrance. I, I noticed by this time every single night he looked more and more like, all right, let me just get through this shit so I can get to the fucking match. Yeah, yeah. But I'm that tired. Changes. I don't want to do this song anymore. But they won't let me not do it. But that changes. We'll get to that though. Yeah. But uh, Kota Ibushi versus Will Ospreay. Uh, what in the hell was the finisher to this again? This was a uh, Kota going over, right? Yeah, um, Kamagoye. Mm-hmm, Kamagoye. Um, in the shit out of people. It was an inevitable finish because early in this match, Osprey did that thing he does where he sort of backflips into a crouching position like the superhero pose. And it was crazy because at the time, fucking Kota was outside of the ring. And in the time that he did that backflip, Kota slipped in and almost kamagoye his ass. Like he would have kamagoye him right out of his superhero pose. You know, he would have been the wrong part of Iron Man. Boy, let me tell you, when that he came in as so fucking fast, I was like, yeah, this guy can kick you right out. Be careful. Uh, yeah, like I said, overall, really good. Really cool stuff happening yeah. in this tournament. Really enjoying it so far. That ends on uh, night nine, bringing us to night ten, bringing us back over to block B with Toriyana going up against Hiroki Goto. Um, and holy crap, Goto sets a record, actually breaks a record. Yep, Yano's fun ends here because Yano gives Goto a t-shirt, but uh, basically Yano, uh, Goto winds up throwing it back in his face, and in the distraction, he pins him. He loses the match here very fast. Got him in 18 seconds. What I liked about this was not only was it, of course, uh, Yano's antics backfiring on him, Goto played smart because Go- Hiroki Goto has had a busted shoulder since match one. Yeah. He's been running through this whole G1 with one bad arm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, why go in this fist flying hardcore where I can just get in and out? Get some of that I time save back, myself exactly. for a night, and I give myself a time to like, time to conserve the conserve your energy. Yeah. Yep. Very well done. 
uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Sonata, with Sonata going over via moonsault. Oh, God. Freaking Zack Sabre Jr. That guy is incredible. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal athlete. Like, I know he's been, he's been having a good G1 out to this point as well, but this match was crazy. Yeah. At this point, I'm losing track of points in regards to who has what, because there's just so much that's all over the place. It's anybody's game at this point in the tournament. But, uh, yeah. This this is this is the point when G one starts getting a little crazy because yeah it's everything's so close, mm-hmm. so it's really really hard to pick who's gonna win. Juice Robinson versus Evil with the finish being a uh, low blow and everything is evil screwing over Juice. Yeah, more uh, Dick Togo shenanigans, more in the era of Evil Dick, more underhanded stuff. See what I did there? Oh, I see. Oh. oh. <laughs> Tatsuya Naito versus Yoshihashi with Naito going over with Destino. Yeah, once again, I mean, continuing the hell of a run Naito's been having, just not only in G1, just all this year. Yeah. Like, dude's been amazing since Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you had Tanahashi versus Kenta with Tanahashi tapping Kenta with uh, essentially a Texas Cloverleaf, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a move that he's been going to a lot more. And I like that he that he made it a point to get, to get him with that move because I mean Kenta's basically been tapping people almost all G one, mm-hmm. and I like that he really made it a point where it's like I'm not just gonna beat him I'm I'm going to make him submit and that's good because like I said before Tanahashi still has life in him yet and, and I also like the fact that we get the traditional ending to the night with a Tanahashi guitar hero solo ending in the ring <laughs> and got well so stuff. long yeah so good good stuff here. Uh, G1, Night 11, Block A, we go back to with Tomohiro Ishii now going up against Takahashi, Yujiro Takahashi with Ishii once again laying in that vertical drop brain buster for the win. Hey man, that old dog still got some bite left in him. Like, mm-hmm. That stone pit bull might be crumbling, but damn it, he ain't going nowhere. Mm-hmm. And then you got Okada once again keeping up with the tradition as Dustin has mentioned in this tournament and finding new and innovative ways to go over because he goes up against Jeff, Jeff Cobb and he goes over with a jackknife pin. Tell you like as if Okada couldn't get more dangerous. Yeah, he's literally not one with the Rainmaker at all up until this point. See how different it is, and that's what makes these companies cool. That's They're not depending scary. on finishers, and they made a storyline out of a guy trying different things, not hitting that Rainmaker once again, doing something different from the last round. Yeah, and I mean we've seen a couple of times where he's gone for it and missed, but it's not like. Okada's missed Rainmakers before. It's not bumming him out. He's actually using the miss to set up different opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. One cool thing, uh, pretty much. Well, there were a bunch of cool different things here, but I did like the different countering and stuff that happened at one point between finishers and stuff like that with these two. You know, I thought that looked really good. Very solid oh, stuff. Re- reverses, transitions, stuff. everything. Uh, then we have Minoru Suzuki against Will Ospreay with Osprey going over via Stormbreaker. Uh, this was a very solid match. I do like the way these two styles complement each other. The way Osprey and uh, Suzuki using the different conflicting styles. One cool thing I thought was cool: uh, Suzuki using a Spanish move because he winds up hitting the original Sincara Mystico. He winds up hitting his finisher La Mystica. Yeah, he hits La Mystica, which is pretty much for anyone that doesn't know. It's uh, how could I describe it? It's like a 
it's like a tilt the world cross face, right? That's what you would call yeah, it. Yeah, it's like almost like a, a tilt the world head you, scissors, but instead into, of going into the head scissors, you, you go, go into straight arm down bar. into the arm bar, into a somewhat of a cross face style. Move. I didn't realize what he was doing until the, until the move finally completed. Yeah, I thought that was really was, solid. Overall, good keep stuff. Keep in mind, this is fifty two year old Minoru Suzuki. Yeah, Suzuki loses this one, but he puts on a great performance as always. Uh after that, you have Tai Chi, who's no longer looking so hot in the numbers against Jay White, once again being accompanied by underhanded ghetto, with the finish being Jay White going over via Blade Runner. Um, something I've noticed, if Tai Chi doesn't like your ass, though, then he'll sing to you passionately. So I love the way that the start of this match is, because you got Jay White, who deliberately brings in a steel chair, sets it up, and he sits in the corner. He sits in his corner. And he comes and sings. He comes right up to him, and he, simp- and he sings directly in his fucking face, like he's proposing. <laughs> Like he's right in his shit singing at him, almost like insultingly singing at him. You know, he gets really romantic about that shit when he thinks you're an asshole. And I like that about it. Any bullet club pain to me at this point is good pain. So I did like when Ghetto goes for a low blow and instead Tai Chi catches his foot and then he kicks him. And then he catches Jay White's foot and he low blows him. Took that motherfucker you know, dick kick. I got popped because I thought he has a Tai Chi clutch for a two. I thought that was going to be it. I was like, yeah, I'd like it if everybody got kicked <laughs> in their dicks and then we went home. You know, but that wasn't the case, unfortunately, here. Uh, main event is Shingo going up against Ibushi. We're once again the last of the dragon. So Ibushi. Oh, good God, did he have to earn that one? Yeah, this was a war. This was definitely one of the crazy battles. What were your thoughts overall here? This was, as usual, Abushi has probably the most smashed mouth violent match of the night. I talked last week about how one thing that almost started to work against um against uh, Takahashi is the fact that he's having the, some of the longest matches in G1. Kota's having the most violent ones. Yeah, so he has the most fatigue when he goes into these, and it's a lot of him allowing himself to get hit and like egging the opponent to give him those strong stinging forearms and things like that that make it difficult for him. Like you know? he's letting his opponent like fire him back up. Yeah, I notice you see like a lot more of a of a grounded Kota Ibushi in this tournament. You see less golden moon salting and things that will take him to the outside. I don't think he's gone for it not one time. Yeah, like point. it's a lot more of a, a lot more striking and a lot more being brutal and stuff. That could be a sign of a, both him aging and changing his style up a little bit, which I don't mind at all. You know, I thought that it looked really solid as far as that. And I guess when you're going for stuff like moon salts from the turnbuckles to the outside, you land wrong, and that fucks your whole G one up. Yeah, exactly. So it might be it might be a survival um technique as well. Yeah, totally. Very, very, very solid. Uh okay, so that was it for that main event, which brings us back to a block B for night twelve, which has Hiroki Goto going up against Yoshihashi as the opening match here. The finish being the GTR with Goto going over. Yoshi is now the first man eliminated from the yeah, G1. Yeah, by a point standard, there is no way he can win G1 now. Once you can't have enough points that you'll win, you're gone. And that was it. If he didn't win that, he wouldn't have enough points. So no more Yoshihashi. Uh, Goto does manage to do this once again with that right shoulder injury that he's been nursing for this entire tournament, which comes into play a lot. Um, Yoshihashi had a beautiful butterfly lock into a double wrist lock. I thought that was cool. He keeps it in the butterfly lock for a while, and you see him sort of wrench it into a double wrist lock, which looked really good. Um, also the, uh, what is it called? The Kumigoroshi, different from the, uh, yeah. from the Ushigoroshi. The Kumigoroshi looks really solid too. I thought he does it really solid looking. Um, any other thoughts on this? I no, freaking Goto's hanging on. Like, it, 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 it had me worried on the second night when I saw how bad his shoulder was jacked up. And I was like, oh, this dude's going to have a rough G1. But he's been surviving. Yeah. Like, he's been fighting through that shoulder injury like nobody's business. 
Yeah, Yoshi had a good showing. Yeah, Yoshi's been doing great. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate that his tournament ended so early, but I mean, hey, he had a run for him, so yeah. hopefully they invite him back for the XG ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toru Yano versus Zack Sabre Jr. with the finish being Yano taps to a, a was it, I was it a figure four Indian death lock? He tapped to a Zack Sabre in a leg lock. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it was an Indian death lock. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny because this match had the most comedy in it from Yano because in the beginning of it, he's removing all of his tools, all these gadgets and shit are falling out of him. Like he's pulling things out. He's going, no, no, clean fighter, clean fighter, clean fighter. And then like they wrestle for a little while and then he has more. Like he pulls on motion. He's like, last one, last one, last one. This motherfucker is like a and walking a- acme box and shit. You know, and then at one point he apologizes and he's like, go menasai, go menasai. It's a sorry, a Japanese sorry. <laughs> like he- <laughs> And then after all that, that motherfucker still winds up taping Zack Sabre to the guardrail into a chair, you know? And then Zack Sabre, he slides in with the chair still taped to his arm. And Yano points to the ref and points to Zack Sabre doing and goes, chair, chair, chair. And Zack screaming hysterically. He's like, why would I do this to myself? That's ridiculous. I love the night. I love this. Seems like Yano's Yano's matches are like a break from the violence. Bro, I can't believe that he fucking was so fast. He taped him to the chair, to the guardrail, slid in the ring, and when the guy gets free with the chair still turning, he slides the ring. He turns the ref on chair, chair, chair. I was like, you motherfucker! Yo, Yano might be the most. Dangerous man in G1. Oh man, good stuff. It's good like stuff I here. Said before he never does the same thing twice, and I think that's what makes him so fun. Good. That's stuff. half the fun of a Yano match. Not is he just going to win? It's what's he going to do? Oh, man. They keep searching him for tape, and he keeps finding new places to hide it. So it's like a game at this point. Yeah. Next, we had Kenta going up against Sonata, with Sonata going over. Via Japanese leg roll clutch. For those of you that don't know what that is, that's in a lot of known for Japan mainly, where somebody rolls backwards, where they're almost uh in hand. I almost want to say like their hands, like they're, they're they're almost in the position that you would see like the spider position, like the Wyatt would use, but with their legs um locking them in a pen. You know what I mean, right? Like they're upside down that yeah. pen. It's hard to describe it if you don't know what it is, but you've seen it many times. It's especially a really hard pin to get out of. Yeah, but he goes over. Sonata goes over that, so Kenta winds up losing there. Let, Kenta's not doing great either now. Yeah. Kenta's not, Kenta, Kenta hasn't been having a good G1. Yeah. Uh, and then we have uh, Tatsuya Naito against Juice Robinson with Naito going over with Destino. So Juice is also somebody who is now piling on the losses here. Yeah, Juice, Juice started okay, but... He has he he's been he's been skating by the G one. Yeah, and your main event here was Tanahashi going o- go fighting against uh, Evil with Evil going over with everything is Evil. Yeah, they're definitely uh making a point that now like when you draw Evil in a match in this G one, you're basically drawing a handicap match. Yeah, because they, they have the Bullet Club more shit now than ever. It's just straight up two on oneing, you know. Yeah, I guess they're doing what they're supposed to. Now they're actually heels. I don't like. You're not supposed yeah, to like heels. Yeah, they're like, heels, they're like you know? heel heels. They're not. They're like, not, not supposed cool to want to wear their anymore. shirts or any of that shit. You know, it's like they're assholes now. You know, it's ruining the fucking tournament. I guess good job. You know. I mean, hey, we always say you're not really supposed to like them. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that will be it that we cover. Next week we'll we'll continue from that point. This thing is long, guys. I'm sorry, but unless you have no fucking social life, no offense, it's impossible to be able to uh 
for any of you guys to be able to keep up with. And I'm not saying just casually watching, just being able to keep up with the way that this thing is. It's, it's insane. I don't know how the fuck I'm yeah, supposed I to do it. I've been trying with all my heart and soul. Good Lord. Like, I, I've been fitting. I, when, I, when I go through this whole tournament, because like I said, I'm one of the people who finished it. Uh, it you must have bloodshot eyes. I don't know how. It's like, dude, I'm watching more wrestling than I've watched in the whole six years that I'm doing this. And it's so hard <laughs> to keep up with everything, you know. What's so bad, in fact, actually, I'll, I'll break down the secret, literally how I did it. It was literally the second I get home from work, I'm straight in. Yeah, And, I'm and what gonna, I would do, I mm-hmm. would do it two nights at a time. That's and a somehow move. I managed to make it through it. See, I'm less committed than you. I'm not going to lie. I'm less committed because when I get off of here on Mondays, I'm out of here. I'm not looking to do anything with wrestling tomorrow, sometimes not yeah. even Wednesday or Thursday. And the earliest will be Friday. And honestly, this Friday, I was busy. I had stuff to take care of. And, uh... Saturday and Sunday, I honestly just didn't really feel like dealing with it too much. By the time Monday came along, I had watched a few more. And whenever I'm traveling, if I'm on public transportation or a train or a cab or something, I have it on my phone too, so I access it there. But I mean, honestly, with as much windows I'm giving myself to watch this fucking thing, it's just, it's, there's a lot of wrestling. And then I want to also keep up with the other things we put on the program. So there's some heavy yeah. juggling here. I give you credit, man, because we couldn't have done that the without G1 you. The G1 is absolutely, it is one of the most grueling experiences like it for for people out there on this day, if you never finished a G one, try to watch this fucker from start to finish. And you tell me what night you started to get like, holy shit, this thing is long. Yeah, and it was about at this night for me where I was like, wait a minute, how many nights are in G one? Yeah, well, I'm I'm gonna be happy when we're done. I noticed something after that, right? They're already on the next thing. Yeah, they're already on the road to power struggle, which is their next big event. Yeah, good lord. Which right. seems like where a lot of the uh, title ramifications are going to be settled. So. Yeah. All right. We're going to talk SmackDown, what little there is to talk since there's been a pay-per-view since, and Raw, and wrap up here because I want to fucking go. Uh, I know we got to see Nakamura, Cesaro, and Ziggler against uh, uh, Ziggler and Rude against Owens, Daniel Bryan, and the Street Profits. And the best thing that came out of that was how hyped Daniel Bryan was afterwards, where he goes up to the Street Profits and he goes, fist me, boys. And they all do like the fist <laughs> bump together. Like, oh, God, Daniel, 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 son. <laughs> he, he turned into the hype dad. <laughs> You know, we already saw the outcome of the fucking people's court with Otis, so there's no point in talking about that. Bianca Belair goes over Zelina Vega. Uh, there goes that push. Uh, Lars Sullivan goes over Shorty G, but then he denounces the name Shorty G. He will no longer be known as Shorty G. Thank God, which was really stupid. I'm going to need him to understand, like, he going to have to earn Chad Gable back. Yeah. He ain't going to just switch that shit off like that motherfucker ain't been jobbing ass Shorty G for the past few months. No, you got to earn Gable back. Yeah, he first said that he quit, but then later on what he clarified off air was that what he means is that there will no longer be a Shorty G. He himself is not gone. It's just the gimmick is gone. So we'll have to see where this leads. We're hearing one of the reasons for this is because Daniel Bryan has been pushing for him to be more than Shorty G. So, uh, Hopefully that does happen. Uh, we already know what happened with Sasha and Bailey. There's no need to cover all of that kind of shit. Uh, Seth Rollins has a match against Murphy, and you got the Mysterios looking on backstage. And then, you know, Aaliyah gets upset and rushes out there for her lover. And, like, you know, the other Mysterios are pissed off about that. Uh, bang of a match, though. Yeah. No, they did definitely have, like, a really solid match. We're hearing that she's not under contract, or at least full-time contract, because she's still in college. So, as of now, she's not under contract. Uh, it's good to have her around also. Yeah, absolutely. But she gets to be in the mix. Yeah, definitely. So Seth Rollins goes over there. Uh, what else do we have? We had Roman Reigns. Uh, yeah, basically naming uh, those stricter consequences 
when it comes to their I quit match, which yeah. was pretty much like yeah, if he has an acknowledgement as tribal chief, like him, his wife, his kids, his kids, kids, their kids, they're all out yeah, of family. He'd be out of the family, which really doesn't lead to anything because he winds up, you know, you know how that turned out. So not much really to talk about as far as the SmackDown brand goes, uh, thankfully. So let's talk Raw so we can wrap up here. Uh, Raw last week, because we always do last week's results, it was 1.77 million viewers, so it dropped a lot. Uh, from the 1.86 million the week before. Uh, SmackDown did awful because they did 881,000 views, 0.25 in the 18 to 49 demographic, but that's because let's not forget that the World Series was on and they won Fox Sports 1, not on regular Fox. So there was a channel change. There was the World Series. They had a lot going against them. And then they, you know, let's not forget the product hasn't been good. So you had those things going for it. Uh, you know, Raw, it opens with Mr. Money in the Bank. We already spoke about how cool that is and the potential there. Let's see if they, they, uh, go for it there's this chaos between the tag match that was going on in the 27 the 24 7 thing where r-truth decided he's gonna go for the people that are looking for him they literally have two refs in the ring at the same time as these two matches are going on i would venture to say that the audiences weren't invested in either so uh way to have two things happening at the same time that nobody gives a single shit about huh i mean but hey truth was there so yeah lots of guitar stuff between elias and jeff like first elias gets jeff with a guitar early in the night i believe later on jeff gets the gets the uh upper hand he yeah, um, how many fucking yeah, guitars are in the arena i don't know but yeah a, uh elias cost aj cost jeff a spot in um on the raw survivor series team uh lost a match against aj styles which i love how they didn't quite straight straight up mention it but they wanted to reveal it pretty much nxt is not in survivor series this year yeah, so it's it's like, oh yeah, they whoop your ass last year. Okay, keep, keep them out this year. Unbelievable. <laughs> they were only doing that to get themselves over with, with AEW, which didn't work. Uh, there's an eight-man elimination tag match. This is the uh, the Hurt Business against the uh, Retribution with me and him at ringside. Let me ask you something. I want your opinion on this match, just from a technical standpoint. Talk to me about Retribution versus the... Uh, forget the gimmicks. Just talk to me about the, the match. So... But these retribution guys, it, it it kind of annoyed me, especially when the one who's basically Shane Thorne came out. I didn't see the same level of skill that I've seen before. It just seemed like they were doing stuff and seeing what worked. Like, you know, it's bad when I'm looking at a match and I see Lashley as a more technical guy of two people in the rings. Like, And that's exactly my issue. And I need somebody in the world, anyone who thinks they can answer this, to answer this question for me, because... As much wrestling as I watch, this is one of the most puzzling questions that I've ever had to ask people before. How come no one in Retribution has any moves? When we and I mean seen... any and I mean any moves, any moves. Okay, first of all, Donovan Dijak was a was a big guy, but he was a big guy known for his high spots and his big moves, his big boots, the fucking knees where he would drop you on his knee, the crazy brutality that Donovan Dijak would have. He'd fuck you up, and he can fly over ropes and stuff. That's what Shane he was known for doing. When it was part of TM61, was a yeah. fantastic athlete. Okay, and then you have Mia Yim, who we know her offense and everything she can do. She's solid in the ring. And even Mustafa Ali, who's known for his high-flying and his splashes and his top-row stuff. Don't can someone fucking explain to me why none of them have any moves? All they would do is clubbing strikes. Every time they got tagged, people who are known for moves would just do fucking clubbing strikes. It's a fucking wrestling show. I don't even care if we like the gimmick or not, but why aren't the people in the ring wrestling? What? When the when, when, when Devon put on the Ace of Nates mask, he didn't stop doing moves. 
he had to switch them up to make sure you didn't know it was. It make sure I'm you watching didn't know these guys. On, That's why I asked you in the chat room. It was legit. I wasn't being sarcastic when I asked you which one T Bar was or whatever. I was wondering. I was like, is that Donovan Dijak? Because all I see this dude do is come out looking like a big oaf and just doing clubbing fucking strikes. Like I remember Donovan Dijak having a lot of moves, mostly with his feet and shit and his knees and jumping. Donovan like, Dijak doing a Spanish law. These dudes literally one. they come. They're more putties than the Dark Order. They literally look like they come out just to be swinging wildly so that the baby faces, ironically, to fucking her business at this point, come out so that they could get their shit. And these guys don't do anything. It's like I said. I feel like we're disrespecting the Dark Order by comparing those two at this point. I There's feel no like fucking moves. Any faction by comparing them at this point because every other faction had moves. And then this this shit. This I can teach me some I'm, moves. <laughs> I'm about to bury the shit out of this faction right now. Why the <laughs> fuck is me and Yim having a seizure as a distraction? That oh, you took what? the words right out of my mouth. I literally had that written a seizure as a distraction. Yo, I put me in pretend to have a stroke or something. Yo, the Dark Order is evolution compared to this horse shit. And second of all, um, Ali, I'm gonna need you to learn how promos work. So okay, you don't cut an intimidating promo after you're getting your ass whooped for about the third time in fucking row. Like it's what? Unbelievable. Fucking. Yeah, you see Somebody what I mean? It's like it's, it's, it's bad though. That's I, they I, have to. You have to tell I, them not to wrestle to get that kind of a performance out of that team. Because nobody, you know, as much as we don't like retribution, if you literally pick apart who they have there, no one's a bad wrestler. Not a single one. The, the, the only thing they have going is that everybody's good. That's the only thing they have going, and still they take that fucking one thing away from them. I can't wait till the next AEW Dark when AEW when I go the Dark Order actually wrestle. I can't wait. But what's the point? Like you get them over more. For God's sakes, you get them over more if they wrestle. Am I wrong about this? You know what the bad part about this? At this point, I don't even give a shit if they wrestle. It's dead. <laughs> it's like they At gave up point, on it anyway, right? Like they just they just tell them to go out there and get their asses kicked. What a shame because they put us, they're forgetting that they put us, the viewers, through that shit, you know? They had remember when these guys first showed up and it was to the point where everything was so fucked up they had to use the hard cameras where you could see what's going on. And now these fucking guys. They blew it all on their own, though, you know? If somebody goes out there, if somebody tells me, don't do your moves, fuck you. I'm doing my moves. Well, that you'll get in real trouble for. It's more the criticism of the company that they would even limit the, the offense visibly to that point where they're not doing anything. There has to be a point where you put your foot down for your own fucking stock. Like, motherfucker, you guys are going to take my Twitch channel. I'm keeping my fucking moves. <laughs> Can't keep anything. Unbelievable. Like, yo, so somebody take this shit behind the barn and shoot it already. Yeah, exactly. Oh God, at this point, at this point, like the second I see Retribution show up on the fucking screen, I'm changing the channel. So, what was the point of New Day imitating the Street Profits and having Oscar there celebrating with them? Like, where were the Street Profits for their actual celebration? It's because they're fighting Street Profits at Survivor Series because this champion oh, was champion. Oh, so we gotta act like the Street Profits, even though you were cool with them last time you were seen together. But the storylines, yeah, and Oscar's there, whatever, just to add some charisma, I suppose. Uh. So then you got the Survivor Series lineup where they announced that it's going to be Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, Mandy Rose. Uh, and then they announced there's going to be a fatal four-way to determine who the fifth person is between Lana, Lacey Evans, Peyton Royce, and Nikki Cross, who now has new music, much better than the old one. I told you guys the NXT music was out of the way. Lana goes over stealing a pin like I do on the online games. Wait for somebody that has to hit a finisher, slides on in, hooks the leg. Good for her. Um... Survivor Series, whatever the teams are, what they are. I don't really know. One of them is the throwaway team with the Mandy Rose and freaking Lana team. And then on the other hand, uh, I mean, not Man- Mandy Rose fucking, uh, what's her name? 
Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke. I don't know why I said Lana. Uh, Lana yeah. being the leader of the entire team and everything. But uh, can we have somebody with some personality be an authority figure? Like, can we take a little bit of that layoff money that we're using and instead of having like freaking uh, what's his name out there? Adam Pierce and what Adam Pierce and the Pat other Buck. dude, the, the other weird dude they had. That was Pat Buck, right? That Pat Buck. Yeah. Having a, could we get somebody, maybe a pass? I would like a GM again if we're going to have to have somebody out there. Get Foley back. Get anybody. You know what I mean? Get somebody see, see, for but a you, GM. But, but the role, problem please. with that is that involves spending some of that I don't give money a fuck. they save. I don't give a fuck. Don't even get somebody huge. Get somebody exactly. who can't wrestle right now. Anybody. Get Teddy. Exactly. Get any any person that you can possibly get. Get fucking Virgil. I don't care. Anyone. But just somebody that I know. Not Adam Pierce. <laughs> But, nice job saving all that money, guys. I tell you, it's, it's doing just fucking wonders. We got retribution and Pat fucking Buck. Yeah, and Sheamus goes over Matt Riddle, even though Matt Riddle's the talent they're pushing. He goes over Matt Riddle for a a, a some a, a Survivor Series spot because everybody wants Sheamus on the fucking team. Sheamus isn't a bad wrestler. My problem isn't whether or not I even agree with that. My bigger issue is that they're clearly pushing Sheamus not only just for the past few months, but the past few years as a tag guy. That's all they've seen him as, as a tag guy. They did that one thing with him and Big E that they didn't even really give that much a fuck about. But aside from that, he's been a tag guy. So tell me, somebody explain to me why this fucking tag guy is not going over your young talent. Because he's a oh, tough fighter. We're not going to have Matt Riddle at Survivor Series? Or I guess he's going to be in a singles match that they want to keep him in. I don't know what it is that they're doing here, man. But I just thought that that was really weird. You know? But yeah, that's what basically Save, happens. Saving that money. Saving that fucking money. Mm-hmm. So then you get the moment of Bliss. Who now you get crazy. Alexa Bliss. Who, I like that she was dressed up like a fucking like good guy doll from fucking child's way. She was dressed up as kid sister. Kid sister. Kid sister. She does this <laughs> Like literally, she she's the only thing on Raw that fucking made me happy because like this girl has been absolutely killing this role. I guess it's an easy role to kill. I guess I give her credit for it though. But uh, she's out there to interview Orton. Is Orton a baby face now? Who's baby face and who's heel here? No, or, 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 Orton's not a baby face. Orton was just in the way of the fucking fiend at this point. Okay, I think. so he's in the way of the fiend, and basically what happens is uh the fiend teleports in, uh, but Drew McIntyre up the ramp, and him and and Orton are brawling just in case. Yeah, we yeah haven't Drew seen he came out a little earlier because he once again said he was going to jump Orton, and then in the middle of all that, the Fiend pops up. Because the whole time they're fighting, Bliss is sitting on a turnbuckle laughing and watching. Yeah, and now Orton's in the ramp sandwiched between the Fiend at the top of the ramp and Drew towards the, the the bottom, and I guess Orton figures fuck it, at least I know I kicked one of these guys' asses, so instead of dealing with the Fiend, he walks <laughs> forward to deal with Drew McIntyre. I kind of well, like how he had that moment where it's just like, okay... I got yeah. two choices. And then, well, fuck it. <laughs> and then Drew winds up uh, hitting Orton with the Claymore, and then the lights wind up going out, uh, I believe, right? Oh, no. Um, he actually was going to hit him with the Claymore, but I think... Uh, oh, right, 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 Orton, right. Or- Orton backdropped him on the announcer table, and they did the same shit. They were almost the same shit they did last week, where you could go out in the middle of the fight, which I actually wound up finding out uh, throughout the week. That right, but this is different. That, it, that's going off the air hot. They were brawling, and they yeah, went off the air. I don't mind that. Last week... It. Last week he cut the 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 fucking thing off the ring. You know, what I mean, he cut the yeah, box which, off which the ring. Which apparently I found out Vince meant for it to yeah, go that way. He intended for it to end that way. He cut the, the the thing off the ring. And if you're gonna end it hot, then you have to have him slide in the ring and the two of them punching. Then you go off the air. Attitude ever did that. Nitro did okay. that. I'm fine so, with that. But it was more like he opened the cage and then that was it. It is ended. This time it's kind. Of, that's the way you're supposed to end the wrestling show when you're trying to get an angle over. They're brawling and then it just goes off there. Who knows what's gonna happen? Usually you would have somebody. Tony Schiavone to me for Nitro was great at conveying that last minute chaos. All right, folks, we're going off the air. What's gonna happen to next week? And then like that's it. It go. That's cool. I don't mind that. 
So this one I, I didn't mind as much. It's just that I don't give a shit about Orton brawling with McIntyre. So that's what ruins it for me. But the idea of people going off the air hot works. You know? Yeah. So it's a mixed bag here. It's a mixed bag, man. I'm not going to act like everything was perfect. I am liking the product more than I have in a while. It has its issues, but I thought the pay-per-view was, was well done. And I think that Raw and the current feuds and wrestling that's happening isn't bad. The dumb you know? shit like Retribution especially just needs to go. The Retribution stuff, you either fix it or you get rid of it. If you're not going to push it, oh, which I, is at a shame. Oh, at this point, kill it. Which is, I, I don't think it's it's killable yet. I think that there's still hope in it, but they have to let these guys wrestle. Stop with the that brawling shit is ridiculous. Alter those they've outfits had, a little bit, too. They don't even need outfits to be Retribution if you, if you know who they are. They've had four matches you know? where they haven't wrestled. Take this thing behind the bone and shoot it. Uh, yeah, I know. They've had know. four, like three or four matches. Not anybody's done a single fucking move. Kill this yeah. bullshit. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Hidden the, the fucking job squad actually did moves. These fuckers don't do shit but sit there and job. Yeah, I know what you mean, man. All right, well, is that it? Are we wrapping up here? That's a wrap. Yeah, everything is fantastic. Everything is awesome, as we would normally say. But, uh, you know, once again, as I always say, thank you to everybody who has been joining us for this. Don't forget to join us for other content. If you're watching from a live feed, we do other stuff, especially this upcoming Wednesday. It'll be our second time playing Jackbox Party Pack 7. Get in the chat room after AEW. Make sure that you get into that chat room after Dynamite and and NXT on Wednesdays. Get in the chat room. You enter in your codes. You do not need a game console to play, just your mobile device and something that connects and shows you our stream screen. Everyone's welcome. We're going to eventually start doing giveaways with that, so you're going to want to be present for that. We're back in the Jackbox business as well as other extra content that'll come out throughout the week. Follow us on social media in order to get your feed of that extra kind of stuff. Also, thank you to all of those listening live that take the time to be here with our nocturnal asses, including Willie V2 and EB Gamer, Stasis Dream, Saya Man, thank you for the host, King Quest 770, Bloodluster, Sugar Shane, George with a Z, Galagoya, Idol Laura, all of you that have been liking on Facebook, we haven't forgot about you, and of course, those of you listening on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and all of the different podcatcher apps. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to Good Old Talk Brunch Live, episode 417, hosted by yours truly, Rick Dara, aka Captain Brunch, for myself and co host Destiny Soul Glow Frazier. We're out of here. And we out. Shut it down. <laughs>